0: The worst-performing movie of Stallone and Joe Dante's career, and the absolute worst movie ever, finds its audience this week on thirty twenty ten.
1: Thirty twenty ten. Thirty twenty ten. Three decades, every show sometimes associated idiots. Thirty twenty ten. Thirty twenty ten. Surprises and excitement. Yes, we're going to the nineties and two thousands and twenty tens. On thirty twenty.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you on a little journey of the great anniversaries and milestones of 30, 20, and 10 years ago. From this very week, this very week being January 27th through February 2nd uh, of 1993... 2003 and 2013. Get it 30, 2010 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Tell a friend about the show. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista Wilson with me.
2: I'm Diana Goodman, and I don't know if I prefer Amerigo or Percepto in my movies. Mm. But they're better than Illusiono.
3: <laughs> and I'm J.R. Rawls, and I learned the art of flirting from Torgo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Can't wait to talk about that one. I, I'm gonna say right off the bat. This is one of the worst weeks for movies I've (laughs) ever seen in the history of our show. There is uh, is
2: forgettable crap, and there's also things that are like, it's
0: fine. I think there's but at least one hidden, one or two hidden gems to tell you about movie-wise and some (laughs) other notable, one of the most notable film releases of all time to talk to you about. So don't go anywhere. Stay here. First segment, though. There's,
2: There's a lot of stuff. And also, I think we might have, like, the first good movie of 2013. Oh, Okay. You know, usually it takes until, like, Valentine's Day for, like, the good stuff to finally show up. Mm-hmm. Not just be last year's holdovers. I, I think oh. we have some, some hidden gems. We got yeah. our
0: hitch? <laughs> We've got our hitch in here? All right, good. Uh, <laughs> once again, got to thank our patrons. Patreon.com slash time Got a ton of Superman-related bonus 80s and Depths coming. Those have been so much fun to do. Superman, yeah. oh my good lord uh,
3: Make sure to vote, listeners, on which one you want us to do next It's on the Patreon Right, and it's free to vote for everyone
0: Yes, uh, five bucks to get the show Sick new episode of Sick of Star Wars And by that, the one I've been promising for months is finally out It's big, it's long, it's on Empire Strikes Back hope you like it uh, and some bonus VGA stuff as well thank you so much for your support patrons patreon.com is the last your time moving on into the show first segment 1993 30 years ago January 27th through February 2nd happy Groundhog day I guess uh, <laughs> <the> <laughs> A couple first weeks. The first bit, I hate it when something in the first bit of our doc that I've never heard of sends me down a fucking rabbit hole, but this did. <laughs> Frito-Lay pays court-ordered settlement to Tom Waits $2.5 million for using his song, which they did not. Technically. Yeah, but but parody is legal, but there has been precedent in the past. It, sometimes sound-alikes mm-hmm. can be a litigious ele- element, and Frito-Lay, very... Quickly knew not to ask Tom Waits to do this, so they didn't. And they got a sound alike and got one of, one of the songs, by the way, he didn't actually own the rights to and <laughs> did a Frito Lay parody of it. I had to dig it up because it's been sued out of, uh, into oblivion.
1: There's a new tortilla chip called Salsa Rio Doritos. It's Buffo, Bopo, Bravo, Gunho, Tallyho, but never mellow. You can oh, your taste no. on the tangy
0: so so a, a sound alike, so authentic. Tom Waits successfully sued over this commercial from like a couple of years ago, but he won this week. $2.5 yep. $2. million. I don't know how often Tom Waits comes across $2.5 million, but good no, for him.
3: this was uh, a huge payday for him. And he actually said something at the time like, yeah, I got more I got paid more for not singing a song than I ever got paid <laughs> for singing a song.
0: But yeah, it has happened
3: in, in the past.
0: <laughs>
2: what is Frito Lay thinking? It was like, yeah, it's like, yes, this, you know, you know, we want to associate our fine chip products with is the sultry, sexy, good time party guy Tom Wade. Yes, the one I know percent exactly of the...
3: what they were thinking. They were thinking, we'll make an ad, it'll sound like this guy, no one'll care, and it'll may sell some chips. I read
0: okay. a huge article about it. They they the the engineers were like to the sound alike guy like you're too good you should pull back or we could get sued and the ad agency was like no no we we want him to sound like tom waits it's funnier that way and they're they're both right <laughs> and this is this is the results uh you can't it just seems weird you can't do a sound alike in a commercial without maybe if you showed their face and showed that it wasn't that person you could get away with mm. it but since they mm. didn't yeah here we are in tech news tech news Wired <laughs> publishes its first magazine 30 years ago. Hard to believe. Yeah,
3: and geeks everywhere rejoice. You know, pulling out that Wired centerfold each month—it really just. Oh, that motherboard! Oh, look at that, motherboard.
0: Oh,
1: oh, oh,
3: the thermal
2: look at that land configuration. Does that
3: thermal paste go Where all the you? way up? <laughs> but this is a sign of the tsunami of nerd culture that yep. is coming down the pipeline. Because Absolutely. Wired was the first really big nerd magazine that was mainstream it wasn't like star log you know yeah. wired was right next to your time magazines and whatnot right 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 and yeah. then,
2: and it's not just you know a, a nerd as in geek it's nerd as in nerd
3: mm-hmm.
0: yeah i
2: mean it's it's not popular mechanics but it's like popular mechanics but for computers yeah, it's
0: nerds who would go on to dominate the economy in about 10 years yes mm-hmm. and,
1: <laughs> exactly
0: but moving back into litigiousness and musicians <laughs> and i don't i don't know why but i just every time willie nelson's name would mention my dad would always tell me about farm aid and tax aid and willie nelson's uh financial troubles due to some shitty accounting work but willie nelson finally settles a 16 16 million irs tax debt and recorded the album called the irs tapes to help settle those bills
3: yeah yeah so basically willie nelson uh you know had a tax accountant who just went, ah, we're gonna do all these tax dodges and all these uh, ways you won't have to pay taxes, and they weren't legal. Yeah. Oops. It, but re- it wasn't like Willie Nelson went in and said, "Break the law." Exactly. He, you know, I'm. He's a singer. He goes to his tax ac- accountant. He's like everyone else. He says, "Make me pay as little as possible." The tax accountant yeah, goes, I don't know. "Look what a genius!" I don't know I am. what
0: these rules are. But yes, yeah. yeah, so as someone who's done their own tax aid and. Had an accountant make an error that costs, like, you don't have to pay for this? What the fuck did I pay you for? What the hell? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's how it works. And it's fucking stupid. And this country is weird. This is another one of those ways. It's not high up there in the priority list. It's just one that fucked me personally. Moving on to the movies of 1993. Aladdin is still number one, climbing back up and staying there.
2: What the hell? I just, yeah, the last, what, two and a half months? the movies
3: up. Mm-hmm. Look at the movies I, it's up I against know, though. I
2: know, but the last two and a half months it's been Aladdin or A Few Good Men. That's yeah. it.
3: Yeah, <laughs> different you... world. movies stuck around for much longer in 1993 mm-hmm. than they did today. Yeah, people. Yeah. Some probably
0: some. It wasn't just repeat business. It was <laughs> ugh, it was the lack of performance from some of these films uh, we have here, like a French film, Les Visiteurs, with Christian uh, Clavier and Jean Renaud. This was remade yeah. eventually, right?
2: This was remade as Just, just visiting, visiting for the English language audience. But this was a massive hit in France. And we can make fun of the French and their sense of humor all we want, and we probably should, but fifth highest grossing French film of all time. Wow.
3: Wow. <laughs> Wow.
2: Yeah, it is up there, and it's it's fine. It's really, I mean, it's like it's a kids' movie. It's so dumb. And it's about you know these guys from the 12th century, and they accidentally end up in modern day France, and they don't know how to use bathrooms. And that's pretty much uh, half the movie right there. Jokes about like they don't know what anything is. Oh, it's that's a, it.
0: It's a Baguette Night remade by Martin Lawrence later on. I, I no, it's the reverse. Never mind. I was thinking of Black yeah. Knights, but it is. It, maybe it's they're like like they're Home Alone. <laughs> you gotta, yeah you know, c- you know in a
2: weird way yeah i see <laughs> i see that overlap of just like and then wackiness ensues and it's just a series of goofy ass gags for 90 minutes yeah that's home alone sure okay
0: and uh then sort of in my wheelhouse at the time definitely christy clark ryan bullman paul uh paul Shearer. that one terence knox children of the corn 2 i'm telling you the last time this is the final sacrifice the final sacrifice <laughs> children of the corn part two Direct follow-up to Children of the Corn Part 1, which none of the other ones would be.
3: And it was no. not the final sacrifice. No. Nope. Good Lord, no other genre can spawn sequels from a very simple premise mm-hmm. like horror can spawn sequels.
0: Yeah, Children yeah. of the Corn are a bunch of creepy-ass children who make sacrifices to for a harvest ritual. Uh, but yeah, th-
2: and, and this one is all about like, oh, the unpleasantness of the previous movie is over, and we're going to have people like adopt all those poor orphan children who are in the cult guess what they're still in the cult guess what they're still killing
3: things yes. so and they send them all to the same town okay ah. if if you're a child and you get involved in a death cult i'm very sorry for you i We're genuinely you am i'm not going to invite you into my house and have other child cult members next door to the left next door to the right and across the street that is not a good plan people no
2: i think get them out of a farming community in general
3: yeah like Just... they
2: all gotta move to baltimore see how that yeah. it's
3: like
0: it's like putting a bank heist trio in jail together like these guys might all break out together. <laughs> yeah. They don't do that kind of stuff. They really don't. Uh, but Show and McCorn too. I'm sure yeah, Stephen King washed his hands is. of it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah.
2: I didn't watch it. It's the last one to actually go to theaters. Mm-hmm. There are nine plus two remakes.
0: I've seen the first five, and I was a big fan <gasps> back in the day. Uh, but I, I couldn't tell you what the difference is other than I know they kind of do self contained, non connected stories after There's, they can't keep keep this up eventually A these kids are going to grow up and B people are going to catch on to these children killing all the adults in town
3: <laughs> the children of the corn are planning their IRA plan <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, come audit me. We're, stocks aren't growing too high. And then a movie I saw a very long time ago, and it very much tugged on my heartstrings, but I didn't get a chance to rewatch it. Zach O'Malley Greenberg, Peter Ustinov. Peter Ustinov?
2: Yeah, one of his last roles.
0: Uh, Susan Sarandon, and Nick Nolte, and Lorenzo's Oil.
2: Well, Let's see what that Mad Max fella George Miller has for us. Dude, I bet they're going to have to like fight off a bunch of dudes in a wasteland.
0: What a wacky <laughs> career that guy has He's like... He spent so much time, I think, trying to abandon the work that made him famous. Yeah, man. So
3: I have incredibly mixed feelings about this film. I watched yeah. it for the first time. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. It's about a couple. Their son is facing a life-threatening disease. ALD. So they do their own research. Yeah. They spend their entire life savings researching cures that they say they are the one who discovered and then when the medical establishment says your cure isn't scientifically tested we can't use it they go ahead illegally use it on their son and then it works and the medical industry is proven wrong and these amateurs are proving right now the worst thing about everything i said is that it's a true story this happened exactly like that. Kind okay, of, and this yes. gets this gets into a big thing I have with movies, okay? Yes, this is a true story, Hollywood. But for every parents like this, there's probably 100 parents or 1000 parents <laughs> yeah, thousands who go through the exact parents. same thing and end up giving their son horse tranquilizers which kill him What? but you're not making that movie you're not making a thousand stories of people ignoring the medical community coming up with your own you don't want to learn how
0: ivermectin cured my sinuses god breathe finally
1: Mm -hmm. so
3: you pick the story that worked but you're never going to make the story about the many 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 more people who it didn't work for and when you're facing death and the death of your son you're not going to think logical that's not going to happen. Right. You're not going to be systematic and scientific. That's why we have all these steps in the way. You're going to catch any straw you can and grab onto it like yep. it's a life preserver. And these people did, and they got lucky, and it worked. But it's not yep. always going to happen that way.
2: Yeah, they got lucky, and it kind of worked. It kind of worked.
0: That's well, the the story well, the movie doesn't also tell.
2: That they, that they are building off the work of an actual scientist. Yes found the, out like oh wait these certain like, triglycerides or something affect yeah. this thing um, and we find and this in it, mice
3: so if it worked in mice what well, will work in human then go well we haven't tested that and they're like well our son's dying anyway so we're just going to test it on him and again they got lucky and it didn't yeah. kill him you know yeah. yeah
2: yeah i mean well i think we talk about dallas buyers club around the end of the end of, end of the year this year and it's the same thing it's like if you're dying anyway. You might as well take the shots in the dark.
3: I, I yeah, guess. I, I get that, but it's it's such a wide-open door to quackery and mm-hmm. false things to just say, okay, I'm dying, I'll try anything. It, the light you research
0: know? I did on this, because obviously, if we're not being clear, this movie hits a lot different uh, given the last few years of yeah. utter madness, but cure this was not a miracle cure, even though the movie kind of makes it seem like it was. It didn't work on everybody, but it, as far as I can tell, it didn't harm... The people who took it either. It's it's a preventative.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) And at the very
3: end, there's this incredibly moving moment where they're facing their son who's severely brain damaged by this point. And they say, you know, did everything we go through, in the end, was it really to save someone else's son? And there's this heartbreaking moment where the wife says, yes, it probably was to save someone else's son. But then the movie tacks on a happy ending of like, well, maybe his brain damage will be reversed by this yes! method. And no, nope. it wasn't. Nope. And,
0: nope. But he did live he, three times as long as he should have. He yeah. did.
3: But the the movie it 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 would have well. stopped right there and said this was for someone else's son. Mm-hmm. That would have been a lot more honest because these people did save hundreds, maybe even the thousands of lives because it's a preventative cure. Mm -hmm. And they were able to spread this method that stopped other people's young child, like seven-year-old children, all boys, because that's the way the disease works, from developing a fatal disease. And that's a great accomplishment, but it it didn't really magically cure their son. It kind of just stopped him from getting worse. Mm -hmm.
2: Right. But he was already not quite vegetative, but he was yeah, it's, uh, it's so heartbreaking, the thought of, like, maybe maybe this will bring him back. Like, no. But, yes, to have done something like a net positive in the world for this obscure-ass disease, we can do genetic testing now, find out that you're a carrier of it, and prevent you from ever having symptoms. That's fucking great. But, also, um, just because I, I, you know in your heart something will work, because you mm-hmm. love your children, does not mean putting essential oils on their forehead is going to stop them from getting cancer.
3: I, I got to wonder if this movie was a big inspiration to people like that because it is made out of oil. That's where the title is. You that's, know.
0: that's why I'm saying this has to fall into a don't recommend whatever you can do to keep this away from the zeitgeist right now. Please do.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm amazed. Like, I, I guess I don't know enough about woo-woo crackery to know mm-hmm. like, is, is this like, does everyone know that story? Everyone who thinks that, you know, they're just trying to keep hydroxychloroquine from you, do they yeah. all think really hard about the Susan Sarandon movie when they're doing it? I
3: would, I have no idea, but this should be the Atlas shrugged of that community. Mm. <laughs> oh, God. It sucks to think about. It's a poor little harmless movie. Uh, and then moving on. It's a good movie, by the way. It is solidly yeah, well done, well solidly mm-hmm. scripted. They don't shy away from how devastating it can be for a parent to take care of a child with a fatal disease so Mm. it's a good movie it's just given the and again this is why i have so much problems with it because it's basically a true story as as close as hollywood can get to the truth this gets as that close to the truth so it's not being dishonest in the slightest but boy, could you abuse this true story!
0: Mm. Yep, 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 yeah. and the glorious untrue story is kind of my pick of the week.
2: Solid rewatch, man!
0: Wonderful Make film. Kelly Martin, uh, Lisa Jacob, Jacob, Omar, Omari, Omri, Omri, uh, Katz, Simon Fenton, Kathy Moriarty, and John Goodman in uh, Joe Dante's Matinee he came to the ends of the earth aren't you that guy that makes them scary movies just as the earth was about to end the country is on red alert and what a perfect time to open a new horror movie
3: the whole world's gonna blow up anyway so we should just do whatever we want
0: <laughs> look <Looks> so real <laughs> from the director of gremlins wait till you see the feelers on this thing <laughs> John Goodman, I love this business. Matt ready ready PG. Oh, in this movie, performed horribly. I just remember it coming out of nowhere onto video, um, and I didn't see it for a very, very long time. But now that I, I love singing the praises of Joe Dante. I think people can confuse his work for Spielberg when they make something Spielberg esque, because Joe Dante mm, was doing that. That's a good point. The whole time, mm. from Explorers yeah. to Gremlins, howling like God. Joe Dante is a great. Track record during the eighties and nineties, and uh, this is when it's kind of getting tough for him. And it's this this movie is I'll call it Tarantino esque as like a a boomer Tarantino movie, a celebration of a thing that never ever happened, but yeah. two events that coalesce wonderfully. And by that I mean a celebration of nineteen fifties gimmick movies with the Cuba, Cuban Missile Crisis as a backdrop. And I, yeah, what, what well, I really I, meant to do is is get my dad in on this because this is shot and set where he grew up in a time where he grew up in, in Florida. And, Ooh, yeah. and it's it's absolutely wonderful, both aspects of it coming together like this. I love this film.
2: Yeah, mm. I remember seeing it in 93 and loving that it's, you know, a salute to schlocky horror, but not quite understanding why it takes place during the Cuban Missile Crisis in Key West. And like, now I get it. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I just didn't get it as a kid. The idea that movies are a place where you go to be scared in a safe environment. hmm and where they are is like the most dangerous place in the universe mm-hmm. for a couple of days there, where they think everything is, we are going to die in a horrible, fiery apocalypse. So that's really scary. I would prefer to watch the half man, half ant movie <laughs> hit, yeah. where I can make out with a girl and eat popcorn.
1: That's
0: yeah. safe. And so you have this looming would be apocalypse backdrop and, and nuclear panic. Over this, John Gooden's, uh, who's the person he's really, William Castle.
2: William motherfucking Castle. But
0: like, but like Ah, all the way to 11, where not only does he bring a movie to town, he brings a movie with a bunch of 4D gimmicks. People in suits who crawl out of the theater, shaking the seats, 4D effects, not unlike the ones you see in theme parks. So this is all happening, well... People who aren't teenagers are terrified of the world coming down around them. They're in this theater that is notably
3: shaking. Uh, and again, there's some scenes that will hit differently now that many of us have been through a panicky situation, like seeing this supermarket just empty is like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I've actually seen that in person now. Okay. Yeah. just
2: So, yeah. So Joe Dante is a big film nerd, especially of B-movies and trash cinema. And William Castle, like, that was his thing. He made... A whole bunch of horror movies, and also Rosemary's Baby, mm-hmm. a good horror movie. But he mostly made House on Haunted Hill and The Tingler the and Thirteen Tingler. Ghosts, and those all had gimmicks with them. House on Haunted Hill had Amerigo, which was just a, a glow-in-the-dark skeleton on a wire that would just go through the theater, mm-hmm. go back and forth, go back and forth, or they'd have the break for the uh, the fright break, where... Mm-hmm. You know, right before the end of the movie, you know, you can get up and go to the cowards'
1: corner so you don't watch the whole thing. <laughs> kind of yeah.
0: Was he the one who also the gimmicks were like the character like at the end of the movie would sometimes turn to the audience and like nobody say a word if you if you do you'll be murdered Uh yeah. like stuff like that. He yeah. also
2: did one where it was like, all right, now the audience votes: does that guy live or die? And they only shot the dying ending because no one's going to vote for someone to live. <laughs> <laughs>
3: This was uh, right when I was getting into movies in a huge way. I'd started reading all sorts of trade magazines about that. And I can vividly recall reading articles from people who went to those cheesy movies from the 50s and 60s. And one really stuck out with me and how he didn't get it on the first run. It was like one of the last runs. So he got in like an hour beforehand and went around looking at all the seats, trying to find one with a buzzer that actually worked. So he'd get buzzed because, you know, by the end of the show, it's like, oh yeah, these have been moved 70 times and now most of them don't work. This is such a love letter to those bad movies, which I've only enjoyed through MST three K. Right. I They're- never mm-hmm. had any nostalgia for those movies outside of MST three K. So this didn't play to my nostalgia of that because I didn't I didn't have any for it. I mean I've know? seen
0: I've seen plenty of stuff like that that are based Movies that are so god-awful boring, they're either 60 minutes or they're based around one to three effect shots or crescendo scenes. But they're very, very, lots of scientists talking to one another. And and that's what this is a salute and to.
3: Mant is the fictional movie in this movie. And it's available on YouTube and you can watch it. And it's it's better than most 50s movies. For one thing, that ant costume is far better than most ant costumes from the 1950s. Yeah, it's
2: it's about on par with the fly, I feel like. Like, Mantis is pretty much the fly with a bunch of them and some tarantula and maybe a little deadly mantis and beginning of the end thrown in. Like, and how many of those were Mr. Science theaters? Like all of them. Yeah.
3: But see, I I think. That's
2: actually an okay movie.
3: I think they made the mistake. They should have had this film be taking place in real time in the theater. Like the movie starts when Mant starts playing and we keep cutting around the theater and have everything happening in real time along with Mant. I think that would have been the better way to go.
0: I mean, either way, well, I think this this movie's a delight, and it contains all the wonderful character actors that Joe Dante used in everything oh, yeah. he did in much more prominent roles. Uh, it's just it's just fucking awesome, and I really meant to show it to my dad because I'm I'm not sure that he's seen it, and it's sort of for and about him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe yeah, you I remember
2: that. I remember seeing it with my parents, and they they really liked it because yeah, the, they they got all these weird nostalgic references that. You don't really need to get. But yeah, a lot of old timers in there, Dick Miller, Jesse White. And Naomi Watts for 10 seconds in her U.S. film debut. Wow.
3: <laughs> really?
2: In, in the shook up shopping cart, the live-action Disney parody movie. <laughs> oh,
3: that was so horrible. And there were so oh, many bad so good. Disney films like that. Oh, I've been
0: on oh. a live-action Disney kick watching Peach Dragon and Sammy the Way Out Seal. I couldn't have dug it more. But was this still streaming on Peacock? I forget, but Maybe? watch matinee. It's, I thoroughly recommend yeah, it. It's,
2: yeah, it's a yeah, I mean, recommend. It's like, Yeah, it's like an hour and a half. It goes by real fast. Mm -hmm. It's a love letter to cinema. Even the worst of cinema. The idea that transports you away makes your problems not so bad because at least you're not a giant Ant-Man.
3: And big surprise, I've always got a soft spot in my heart for low-budget cinema. People who make low-budget cinema, they've they got my heart strings from the get-go. Right, he was doing the, yeah.
0: the the Dolomite four-walling process, like bringing a movie to a town, trying to sell out select shows of a of touring movie. Like, holy shit, I wish that was my job. Yeah.
2: I One last thing, though. I'm kind of bummed that Simon Fenton sort of disappeared after being a kid actor. He's in this, and we talked about him in A Power of One, the apartheid mm-hmm. movie with Morgan Freeman. He's a Brit. Mm. I could not tell at all. He was incredibly good. <laughs> And it was kind of like those were sort of the two things he did, and that's kind of it. I think he just sort of retired. I was like, damn, kid, you were pretty good, even though if you had a kind of 90s haircut.
0: (laughs) But the movie that did get the most eyes and would go on to spawn, like, is it eight or nine? nine? There
3: are nine films in the Sniper series. Wow. Ah!
0: J.T. Walsh, Billy Zane, and you'll love this movie. It has Tom Berenger. It's Sniper, ladies and gentlemen.
3: (laughs)
1: Fighting a war no army can win. There is a major coup planned for election day in Panama. But a single bullet. We have less than one week to prevent that can. what I'll never expect it. Suicide mission. I never turn back on a mission in my life. We're hit! Tom Berenger,
0: Billy Zane, <laughs> Sniper S- Radar. S- this is fine. I don't know, like just pap, but like this is a well made B movie.
2: Yeah, it's it's like a really good Chuck Norris movie. Yeah.
0: And like, that, that would kind of go on to define what Tom Berenger did for a while. Yeah, yeah, I guess. It's like I looked up that Simpsons yeah, reference like when they if, they when he wakes up Bart out of bed and like you have to be in this movie with me and Miss Krabappel. You'll enjoy it. It has Tom Berenger and like he wasn't starring in movies for very long after this. He's in like two theatrical movies and he plays. Very, very supporting parts, and anything that's not majorly. And
2: yeah, I'm not sure what happened. I mean, '86, he's got platoon. He's fantastic in it, and he's had so much other stuff before that. I think you're
0: looking at typecasting because, like, who does Tom Berenger play? A hard nosed soldier, drill sergeant type. It's kind of what he does, and here's a movie geared well towards him.
2: (laughs) I cannot believe that there are nine. Sniper movies. Yep. The last one was last year. yep This yep. is a 30-year-old
0: franchise. Your Republican uncle loves the, loves these films and won't let it go.
2: Oh my. yeah And Tom Beringer's in most of them. Yep.
0: Fighting a war that never ends and you've never heard of. Uh
2: Well, cuz <laughs> it's is, you know, we're just killing non-discriminat drug kingpins in I guess we're in Panama or maybe somewhere Columbia. Panama-like. Yeah, <laughs> in... in Australia. For for pana
3: Panablumbia.
2: Oh, Panablumbia! That's beautiful this time of year. It's shot in Brown Town,
3: and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I
0: have no idea because I did not rewatch this. Because you don't need me to tell you whether Sniper is good or bad. It's kind of a bad movie, but it's a well done yeah. theatric theatrical release. And it, uh...
1: yeah,
2: we have a lot of well made bad movies. Yeah, speak, where it's like they're fine. You watch them and you go, "That was fine." They're all genre things of like. That Was fine
0: and uh, can we, can we move on to TV with that because that's to me is way bigger this week. Oh, yeah, because yep. uh, this week we got through Superb Owl, we can't even say it, it's that trademarked Super Bowl with the Dallas Cowboys crushing the Buffalo Bills 52 to 17.
3: But, but uh, <laughs> the big reason the Super Bowl was different why I tuned is in. because it had a solo halftime performance by one performer that's not done. That's the first no. solo performance of for a halftime show, and he performed a medley of his most successful songs, and the crowd loved it.
0: I loved yep. it. I remember him popping up on all the different uh, scoreboards throughout the stadium, like, how do they do that? I am 11, and I'm baffled by the technique, but yep. I, I can't, the, only The Simpsons is currently on that'll show you the absolute lameness of former halftime <laughs> shows. <laughs> God. Which I love their ones of Pac Man and Miss Pac Man getting married. Sometimes they were just corporate presentations, salutes mm-hmm. to the Disney company and, and stuff like that. Like marching bands, yeah. children up musicians people.
3: up with people. Like, uh. I, I don't get that because this was the highest rated event in television since the 70s. Yes. Yeah, basically. It's
2: always number one. Yeah. yeah.
3: And they're just like, well, we've got an hour. Let's give it to the Daytona High School Marching Band. Well, I think I can
0: (laughs) shed some light on the secret there,
3: why that was the case.
0: The Super Bowl doesn't pay anybody for the halftime show. Uh... It's considered either your patriotic duty or legitimate. If those ads are moving any product, so will this for you, so... You better be here with your instruments not plugged in. That's also another thing. Uh, nobody's playing live, but yeah, th- I, is this the first time that happens? Where it's like, no, no, we're getting a big, big name for the halftime show. You don't want to exactly.
2: Switch. This is the thing that makes the halftime show a huge thing, and I don't think we've even said the name of the performer. It's Michael fucking Jackson. It's
0: Michael
1: Jackson.
2: And,
0: yeah.
2: And he puts on a hell of a show, and he's our, he's he's a big star, and he puts on a big show, and people realize, oh, right, halftime shows are a huge platform, and we should do that, and we will talk 20 years from now. The next performer will be dressed in homage to Michael Jackson at this moment, and Fox News will get mad about it, because they're little bitches.
0: <laughs> and I'm looking at, oh, my God, man, the other Super Bowl halftime shows before this. 1950s <laughs> rock and roll bebop salute. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Uh, George it Burns and... Caro- <laughs> Mickey Rooney, five years earlier, five years earlier, <laughs> with the State. It should have been state-
2: Carol Channing every single year.
0: Oh my God, up with she people f- four years ago. Yeah, like it was like lame is the only way to describe it. And getting like a Michael Jackson was still current at this point, and he had a huge album out, and this is a big get, and mm-hmm. changed the Super Bowl halftime show forever. And it's to me like the only thing about the Super Bowl, like care about it all anymore that's one of the only reasons i tune in anyway continuing yeah. uh our conversation from last week about the fucking weird primetime entertainment network uh and its demise kung fu the legend continues debuts on pten after
3: what was it time time tracks was right. that the name of the show I <laughs> yeah forget, totally yeah read. so time tracks but other than babylon 5 which has its pilot premiere this year mm-hmm. but will not actually be a series until next year kung fu the legend continues was their big show yeah this was what p-t-e-n god i hate your name i'm gonna <laughs> curse you every time i have to use it is known for in 1993 because kung fu was well known through rerun after rerun yeah even i, I never watched it i did did I you did. guys watch it yeah
0: i remember okay. the reruns so i still get yeah, parodies I you, of it
3: right? yeah yeah so uh, they were like, well, we're going to bring back this successful series. And it was fine. It was, you know, a very low-key, low-stakes, watch-it-with-the-whole-family type of action show. So did that. Yeah. return of David
0: Carradine and the role he originated. But the, the bigger one for TV nerds out there is probably the other debut this week on NBC, Homicide Life on the Street.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Debut,
0: which I've never seen, but is the debut show from David Simon, who's every yeah. other show on HBO I have seen.
2: Based on his book,
0: mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. is how
2: far back we're going with David Simon. David Simon was a journalist. He wrote a book, Homicide a Year on the Killing Streets, in 1991. It was picked up by Paul Atanasio, who wrote Quiz Show and Donny Brasco, eventually after this. And, um, Was like, ah, it's it's probably the best show you haven't watched. It is a real somewhere between Oz and Law and Order. Like, NYPD Blue kind of copped some stuff, (laughs) haha, cop stuff. So, you know, it ended up like running with some of the the grittier, meaner stuff of a cop show. But, dude, Homicide Life on the Street is so good. Mm -hmm. The cast. Can I just go through the cast? Daniel Baldwin, Richard Belzer, Andre Brouwer, absolutely destroying. Clark Johnson, Yafit Koto, Melissa Leo, John Polito, yeah. Ned Beatty shows up in there. Giancarlo Esposito shows up in there. It's like it's
1: it's holy
0: the shit, debut. shit, Andre
2: Brouwer's amazing. But it's you the- need to watch this just to make Brooklyn Nine Nine a thousand times funny.
0: <laughs> but it also introduces John Munch, Richard Belzer's character, <sighs> who very weirdly. Is yeah. the connective tissue between all of your favorite TV shows, he connects not only to Law & Order, but I believe, like, The Simpsons and Arrested Development, he connects yeah, all so those the universes. The full list, I think.
3: He's yeah. appeared in Arrested Development, X-Files, The Wire, yep. 30 Rock, <laughs> and then Law and & Order, and then uh, Spe- Sesame Street Special Letters Unit. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, this is the start of The Munchverse. The Munch. And if... You include all the income from the Munchverse because that's where it started. It started in this. I think Homicide Life on the Streets might be the most successful nonfiction book of all time.
1: Damn.
3: Because just think about what it spawned off. I mean, Law and Order yeah. has what? Seven hit TV shows? Yeah. I, I, I don't even like know. That.
0: Running in perpetuity on cable for the rest of our lives. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Is it
2: streaming anywhere? No, no. because rights, probably music I rights think it tied was a, up in there somewhere.
0: It came out on DVD, but it was v- one of those very expensive DVDs because it wasn't really supposed to happen, so. Yeah. Track it down like that,
2: I would. You know, seven seasons, uh, not all of them are like full-length seasons because it's one of those shows where it's like people who loved it loved it, but a lot of people didn't see it, and the critics were all over it, and it won all tons and tons of awards, but people were just like, It was well, a that danger of like being bummer.
3: canceled the first couple of years. It was like <laughs> yeah. hanging on by a nail. Mm.
2: Yeah, and it was just, they kept, I don't know, I just, I I don't know if the critics kept it alive or what, but uh, it couldn't have been a cheap show to make, And but it it kept going, and then, you know, people from it end up going off into doing, yeah, stuff like Oz and
0: Mm -hmm.
2: fucking The Wire and, you know, all those other, yeah.
0: Shows people actually
2: watched, you bastards. (laughs)
0: Yes. And uh, speaking of shows I actually watched, uh, Batman the Animated Series premieres its episode, The Man Who Killed Batman
3: this week. Oh, this is such a great episode. It's this utter mook who gets lucky and seems to have killed Batman. And then all hell breaks loose because (laughs) the Joker is the one who is supposed to kill Batman. And he's very angry at this mook for taking away his fun. And there's a great scene in this which gets brought up all the time as proof that the Joker doesn't kill Batman because he wants to have fun with Batman. Mm-hmm.
0: You but complete the, me. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> but at the end of it, it's revealed to be a ruse by Batman, and the mook is sent to prison, but the Batman is like, you know, you're going to be a big shot in prison because you almost killed me. And mm. when he gets into prison, everyone treats him as a hero because he almost killed the Batman. It's... it's it's a really good scene, it's, and it's got one of my favorite Harley Quinn lines of all time. Harley is dressed as a lawyer, and uh, she comes across Detective Bullock, and he asks, don't I know you? And she says, I served you a subpoena once. It was a small subpoena. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Sneaking out <laughs> of here. I, I, I still
0: remember you the got title. card kids here. The title card I remember vividly. Like, I just never forgot that. And that's streaming on HBO Max. And the next one, super important to me, and I know some of our viewers might tune out during our prolonged Mystery Science Theater segments, but I encourage you not to hear, because this is a really... Really pivotal episode. It does something Mm -hmm. I don't think the show has ever done before. And uh, that's by debuting. I'll say debuting to an overwhelming majority of the audience who ever saw it.
3: 99.99% of the people who have seen this film have seen it because of MST3K. So yes,
0: MST3K watches bad movies. But I chose this clip for a reason I'll explain in a second. If you don't know, the bots and Joel come out during the commercial breaks and do little host bits and they're trying to do a parody of manos the hands of fate and they keep crying uh i just wanted to say how really sorry
3: i am about manos the hands of fate i mean i know it's our job to send you really bad movies but this time even i have to admit we really went too far i'm really sorry now 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 that that sketch you were doing that that was really funny now now go
0: on continue on with that go on Go on. <laughs> <laughs> They're just dumpstruck. I can't imagine... I've never tried to watch this movie without the bots, because it is... God no. When they, when they say... You know, sometimes they'd say a movie was bad, but, you know, I was watching 50s movies like that on television, Ed Wood movies, and they were fine when I was a little kid and had six channels. But this is, like, vividly bad. A, a, a wonderful essay on how not to make films, and, and, and just this... But gone. It was dis- it, this According to lore, the, the movie was made on a bet between a fertilizer salesman and someone he knew in the TV or film industry. Like, I bet I can make a movie for fifty thousand dollars, and he sure did, with no sound <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a local group of semi-amateur actors. None of them, almost none of them, would live to see the success of this film. When and I got I got Frank Conniff, as TV's Frank to introduce it because. If you don't know, his everybody on MST3K had kind of two roles on the show. Mike would write music and be the head writer, and Trace would hot glue stuff together and had to find something else for Frank to do. So he would screen movies, and people would send him boxes of VHSs, and he'd have to sit through these things all the way. And it, he pulls out of a box, out of hundreds, this tape of this movie that was shown, premiered once, may have screened in some drive-ins, may have been on television, but had nev- no one had ever heard of because it had been seen by so few people because it is so unsalvageable <laughs> as a film. Yeah. And
2: I'm sorry, just look at the copyright issue because it has no copyright on the film itself, mm-hmm. but I think the script maybe had been copyrighted. Mm-hmm. Um So no one knows the legal status of this film. Yeah. People,
3: people don't
0: know the names of it, some of the actors in the movie.
2: Huge,
3: it's had a huge after MSG. Yes. 3K life. I have seen in Portland, Oregon, at Theater Theater, a live action version yes. of Manos: The Hands of. I Fate. have
0: played the video game Manos: The Hands of. Fate. It's like it. It's it might be the most famous MST3K ever made a movie. Even Gamera.
2: There is a restored Blu-ray. There,
0: yes, the 4K restoration. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, and it looks really good.
3: Yeah, I. And it it looks in, the really 90s, good,
2: in the 90s, considering it was made by a fertilizer salesman. <laughs>
3: In the 90s, I had a Torgo screensaver. This was yep. back when screensavers <laughs> were all the rage, and it would come on stage and walk across my screen very creepily and scarily while the haunting Torgo theme played. It's
0: It's been, like, beautiful to watch this movie become celebrated it has special features on the dvd Ugh, shit in the gizmoplex where they screen new episode of mystery science theater they did another screening of this and had like the surviving cast members and family of the cast members come out because like most of them were dead before this was rediscovered and given new life by mst3k riff tracks has redone it the mads have redone it uh that's frank and trace the, the mad scientist uh it's been wonderful like this this wonderful thing to connect with this forgotten fucking movie that that people tried their best on that is vividly horrible <laughs> like just endless it's, doesn't make a ton of sense and continuity yeah. errors and
2: oh. would you like to summarize the plot of manos the hands of fate
0: people drive somewhere in multiple directions uh and then and are, pull-
2: would be
0: yeah, are pulled over multiple times end up taking a rest at a cult member's house are befriended by a satyr, and then, I don't know, the master does some rituals and
3: women dance around? I have watched this movie so many times, and I'm still a little murky on the plot. It's like, yeah, yeah, okay, they go inside, they want to leave, they don't leave, something, something, and then the fertilizer salesman is the new Torgo.
2: Yeah, it is Oh, you for, you forgot all of the cult wives have a nighty fight.
3: Yes. Yes, they have That's a, a nighty They have a nighty fight while wearing giant 1950s girders. Like those <laughs> those torpedo 1950s bras. Yeah. So you can't see anything. Yeah. And I watched the making of documentary and the fertilizer salesman was like, "Yeah, and now you're going to fight. Uh so everyone take off all your bras." Yeah. And they were filming With their family. So the family was right there. And they were like, they're not taking off their bras. That's our daughters. And he was like, but it's for this art. And they're like, not happening. So...
0: I believe it's those, a couple of those women that like they still don't know who they are, even though millions of people have seen this movie. And either they're dead or they don't feel the need to come lay claim to these roles. You don't want to be wife number five? Well, I mean, not in my 80s, I guess, but it's a movie that had disappeared for almost 30 years and was rediscovered on this show that celebrates bad movies. And it's not homework to say to watch the episode of msc 3k because it is funny because they do break they they it's part of the performance but it, it's letting you know that i've read everything about this through them the writing process was very hard because not a lot i think they cut out some of the driving scenes that's just yeah, music do. that pans along so
2: much they're just filming out a car window it's crazy in rural texas where <laughs> like 20 minutes goes by
0: they get pulled over twice and nothing happens. It's very, it's so wonderfully amateurish, it's shocking it got on screen. But yeah. that's what makes it fascinating in a way that, I don't know, we don't have the patience now for amateur films. But it was really interesting to see the rise of this. And when, you know, MST3 fans got on the internet a couple of years later, like, no one would stop talking about this. This is the episode of the show that you have to see. The worst movie you've ever seen. And it won its reputation through the show and... It now lives outside of the show. And I, I, I love that only Frank can take credit because they don't even know who sent them the film because it was that public domain.
2: <laughs> I think it was Manos.
0: Yeah, it was Manos. <gasps> which, is, which yes, wonderfully translates to the hands of Manos. Hands the hands, hands. The hands of fate. Uh...
3: God damn it. Mm hmm. It's great. Uh, if you've ever yeah.
0: wondered who that guy in the black costume and the mustache with the red hands on his robe are,
3: <laughs> I see it every Halloween
0: from some it's beautiful nerd. It's a
2: doable Halloween costume, man. It's a it doable a really Halloween,
0: Halloween costume. costume. I always see it. Uh, but Man is the Hands of Fate premiered 30 years ago this week, and that's my other big recommend. Like, Yeah, it's big on YouTube. recommend.
3: My favorite riff from this episode is when they say, every frame of this movie looks like someone's last known photograph. Yeah. And it's true! <laughs> it does! I liked uh. Uh, when
0: the guy drinks from the, weird, the really weird-looking liquor bottle and he goes, Hawaiian Tropic for that savage
3: butt. And <laughs> But yeah, this is the season finale of MST3K, and the, therefore, this is the last Entire Joel, Joel season. Yeah. season because the next one is half Joel, half Mike.
0: Yeah, oh, I can't wait to get to Mitchell with theme song, but the dad my, from Gremlins, my, my
1: Mitchell,
0: <laughs> the dad from Gremlins singing my, that song. My, I love that.
3: My God!
0: Uh, <laughs> all right, moving on into games of 1993. We got some wonderful NES games to tell you about. Break time. The national pool tour for Nintendo Entertainment
3: System. It's got some NES-level voice work in it, so you can hear them say, Break time!
0: (sighs) Overlord for NES is out this week.
3: Not the good one for 360. No. Imagine a barren universe, world after world of dead earth. Manos? In this... Cold, uncaring space, Still you arise with a mighty ship capable of crossing the stars, terraforming worlds, oh. turning them into hydrosolar arrays oh. with all the technology necessary to conquer the g- galaxy. Now, imagine this being simulated on the NES. <laughs> Hope you like squares. I did want to
0: ask you, because I'm not an Ultima fan, and how the fuck does Ultima 5 Warriors of Destiny translate to the
3: NES? I'm guessing not at it all. It doesn't. Okay, Warriors <laughs> 5 for the PC is considered to be a classic. It's got a morality system that is not just... Do you want to drown a hundred kittens or do you want to save the world from death? You know, that's most morality systems in video games, but Ultima 5 had a more in-depth one. You play the avatar, you come back to this magical fantasy world, but the problem is once you left, they sealed away all the demons in uh, various underground dungeons, but that's creating problems in the universe. And so it's your quest to unleash those dungeons. However, no one knows you're the avatar, so they're a little suspicious when you walk around saying, hey, how do I unleash the demons bent on killing your children from these dungeons? So it's got a good world, but it's horribly translated to the NES. It's not easy to play. It's not fun to play. They lose most of the magic of this one and no one likes this version. Everyone says, go play a fan remake or emulate the dosh ver- version but never play the nes version
0: mm. all right and with that we got to close out the 1993 segment with the music i will always love you by whitney Houston. one uh, we also have some new releases including the first album i ever heard from this band rift by fish uh fish and then i never wanted to hear anything <clears> else <throat> from them again uh back to light by brian may is out this week gorgeous by 808 state black mafia life by above the law uh in God We be trust by brian nubian and the self-titled <laughs> musical debut
2: Ryan Nubian is their their manager. Brand Please.
0: Nubian, my bad. <laughs> Brand Nubian, uh, Brand Nubians and God We Trust, and the self titled musical debut of Joey Lo- Joey Whoa Lawrence is out, and I remember being forced oh. to watch his music videos on
2: oh my new God.
0: episodes of Blossom. Thank
2: this, you. This the music video for "Nothing My Love Can't Fix" is everything bad about 1993 yeah. rolled up into one little ball. But so I I guess
0: mullets it's, it's and a- mullets and uh and flannel
2: <laughs> there's flannel there's also a lot of um overalls but you haven't fastened the top they're just yeah. hanging down
0: yeah that tlc that's so look dumb.
2: that's so dumb Come on. so uh yeah for horrible music nothing my love can't fix by joey lawrence or the torgo theme what do you want
3: to do? torgo theme torgo theme fine fine fine
2: oh, but it's like four notes
0: long. yeah <laughs> I, yeah fine i'll go joey lawrence then because I, I i think it's more exciting to hear torgo theme is a ringtone <laughs> <It's, it's, laughs> this is nothing joey lawrence is more evocative of the decade we've been talking about true uh, but well let's close out with some joey lawrence but stay right there we got a lot more to talk about in our next segment 2003 don't move
3: Do you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com/lasertime. It supports not only
0: this show but all the rest of the Laser Time network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. <laughs> Two comedies that couldn't be different—kind of odd to enjoy together—but one of them is the highest one of the highest-grossing movies of the year behind ET, I think. Forty Eight Hours and Tootsie, which I had never seen. I had right. I really thought I, had seen it. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. I just I, I okay. thought I remembered it airing on cable all the time, and then watching it, like I definitely didn't see this. Not, that not was, Juana man, I think. Juana I think was Juana I Man. Juana Man. Juana Man. Or Mrs. a <laughs> Superior
3: film. Let's be. Let's be real here.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, I uh, thought it was fun. It's like there's a bunch of movies from '82 that we definitely should talk about, and it's like the. Uh, and instead, we're going with the number one highest-grossing comedy of the year and the number three highest-grossing comedy of the year because <laughs> and, I and, and, refuse to talk about number two because oh, it's I'm Porky's. 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 Oh. Porky's does surprisingly well. It's the fifth highest grossing film of 1982 above Star Trek Wrath of Khan.
3: Yes. Talk about a movie that's wow. just aged like milk. Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on patreon.com slash
0: lasertime. Coming in 2003 with "Bump Bump Bump" by B2K and Diddy, it's number one. Finally knocking off "Lose Yourself." Ha 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 Take that, M and M, highest-selling hip hop artist of all time. If that, still find it hard to believe.
2: It's only there for oh, like two months. Oh yeah, yeah. He...
0: Good on you for a movie soundtrack, uh, but you can't beat B2K in January 27th through this February 2nd of 2003. Haha. Other new releases include Other People's Songs by Erasure. Is that a cover album? I'm going to guess so. Yep.
2: It's got a good cover of Salisbury Hill, though, on there. I okay.
0: thought about throwing that in. And, uh, and Don't Forget to Breathe by Static Lullaby. Ha ha. And uh, Mary Star of the Sea, the only album by Billy Corrigan's other band, Zwan. And New Arrival by The AT that is also out this week. Woo! Welcome to 2003, everyone. 20 years ago, the midsection of 302010 shouldn't be as long as the Manos segment, but Manos deserves <laughs> so much more uh, talk that we gave it. But a little bit of news to bring you in the world of 20 years ago: Belgium legally recognizes same-sex marriage, and it's the second, only the second country to do so.
2: Yay! Yep. Let's have
1: waffles.
0: Yes. So yes, a bunch of Flemish gay marriages uh, occurring all around, all around Belgium right now. And uh, back back in the good old U.S. of A., a little bit of space shuttle related tragedy once again. The space shuttle Columbia disintegrates during re-entry into the Earth's atmosphere, killing all seven astronauts aboard. I think they said they were fifteen minutes away from touchdown. Do they know now what that what caused it? Because they didn't for a while at the time. Oh,
2: no. no, they yeah. they knew. They they, they knew fairly knew on pretty pretty early on, they're like, oh, we think it was this. And it was, yeah, a big piece of insulated foam on one of the big external rocket tanks flew off and, and, and hit, hit the wing, which happened almost every launch. Mm. But it had never done that bad of damage. Wow. And yeah, they they like they go back, you know, they're up in space, they're chilling, they're doing space stuff, and they like, go back and review all the footage and they see like, oh, yeah, that hit kind of hard, huh? Should we like get Investigate? a... Investigate? get a like department of defense satellite to turn around and take a look at it. Maybe that's eh, probably okay. Mm. And then on re-entry, it did not have enough uh, heat insulation and they're coming in uh, r- real fucking hot, like 3000 degrees Fahrenheit. And uh, the heat got into the wing and then it spun out of control and it uh, disintegrated. <laughs> yeah. Over uh, Texas and Louisiana, big old pieces of it just came, came down. People could see it in the sky, burn it up. Uh, it's pretty horrible.
3: Yeah. 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 Have Have you guys ever seen a shuttle in person? Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I went to the uh, shuttle museum in Florida, uh, the air and space museum where you can see an actual, maybe it wasn't Florida, maybe it was Virginia. I'm sorry. I saw a real life shuttle in a museum where they have the shuttle and you can walk under it mm-hmm. and Ooh. it looks so incredibly majestic when you're actually next to it. I mean, it looks like the future, yeah. Even yeah. though it's the past. This no. is the
2: very first one built in nineteen eighty one.
0: I got I, I fell out of a canoe in the Intracoastal Waterway in front of the space shuttle launch site at Cape Canaveral, and had to be rescued by a boat. And we had to dock mm-hmm. up and uh, watch shit get launched that night because uh, we lost all the stuff in our canoe. And <laughs> even more impressive than the ship itself is that. The machine that rolls the shuttle out—it that looks like a post-apocalyptic future. A huge, like taller than me, tank treads carrying the fucking space shuttle. Like that, I wish I could like make a Lego house and live on.
2: Yeah, that's one of—I I, was—it's like one of the largest machines ever built. Wow, that thing and it, it goes at like point two miles an hour. So <laughs> yeah, that thing is mean.
0: Slow and steady, slow and steady
2: yeah but now we lost uh, seven astronauts uh, rick husband william mccool michael p anderson kelpana chalwa who was the first indian woman in space david m brown laurel clark and Elon ramon who was the first israeli astronaut r.i.p and uh just like it was almost the first episode of the show where we had to talk about challenger we did uh, just like that they put everything on hold for two years they were uh, mm. they were gonna launch somebody in like uh, another month everything gets fucking put on hold and they go and realize figure out every single thing that went wrong how do we stop it from happening next time could we could we have a kit they could go out on a spacewalk and fix it themselves what, what do we do how do we prevent this shit from happening again because it's horrible
0: mm, <sighs> don't have the answer for you but do you have some no, new, new movies
2: pretty much, pretty much the the answer was like a uh, rescue mission mm. yeah yeah, you got to send another one up to go get them. Yeah. Or... Empty the sucker out, send up a skeleton crew.
0: Moving on to the movies of 2003, January 27th through February 2nd, we got Cliff Curtis, Vicky Houghton, uh, Rawi Paratine, and uh, Keisha Castle Hughes, and Whale Rider. I did yeah. see this. Uh, I oh, did see this. This is a wonderful oh. movie. Mm-hmm.
2: And I, yeah, recommend it even for for younger kids. It's about a girl in a uh, Maori community and like she, how come everyone is just ignoring me? Cause I'm a girl. I want to do the stuff that the guys are doing. And they, there's lots of, you know, the sort of Maori mythology brought into that. The idea that it's like what you have to do to earn the right to, you know, be the new chief. And, and there's a lot of, you know, struggles with like grandparents not understanding you and your, your dad's not there. And it is a, beautiful. If that sounds kind of familiar, the director went on to make the live-action Mulan. Uh, uh. <laughs> Which is I did not realize. I'm like, oh, that's actually a good choice. Because, yeah, Keisha Castle-Hughes is like 12, I think? 12 mm. 14, you know? And she's trying to find her place and trying to gain respect. And they don't... They don't I feel like they don't dumb it down, even though this is a, a culture I know so little about. And they just, like, they throw you into it and, like, you're going to figure it out. And by the end, you're like, yeah, I think I got it.
3: They made a number of very brave decisions in this film. It's not your typical Hollywood story where Mm -hmm. the grandpa hits his head and go, Ah, gosh, sexism is wrong. Now I (laughs) see that, by golly. Little spoiler here, you know, there's this scene in every movie where someone is waiting for their parental figure to show up and then... It's revealed at the very end that they were watching them from the back or they show up at the last minute in this film. Nope. The parental figure does not come to the very important performance. That's not what happens. Instead, they go with a much more interesting choice, in my opinion. And they take the story in a direction I wasn't really seeing, which is something I always appreciate in movies. Mm -hmm. It was really well done. I watched this movie with my wife. We both loved it. This is a movie about... A 12 year old girl but it's not just for 12 year old girls adults can absolutely enjoy this film as well
2: yeah exactly but like what finding your place and thinking you know what your place is but people are in your way and how do we negotiate our disagreements and but you know it has nothing to do with like throwing a whale tooth in the ocean to (laughs) see who can find it that's never happened to me but yeah ah it's oh, so good, and finally Cliff Curtis gets to play a Maori guy.
3: Yeah,
2: he is. All he does is play Mexican gangsters, and he's a great <laughs> actor. Every time I see him, I love him. But it's like this like, it might be the only time he actually gets to play a Kiwi from New Zealand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Will, yeah,
3: big recommend from me. Well, uh, touching a big, movie, big recommend. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah. My wife, when we started watching it, was like, have we seen this before? And she kept thinking it was like, like Disney Dolphin had tail. remade this, you know, uh, because mm-hmm. it starts out as kind of like this, you think it's going to be this princess movie, but it's absolutely not. Hmm. I do not yeah. remember
2: that one. You know, I hadn't thought about it in re-Moana, but I, I'm seeing overlap.
3: Mm. Yeah, there's, there's overlap. It's not a remake or anything, but there's overlap. No.
2: Yeah, there's overlap. So yeah, no, this was like a big... International indie hit uh, got a bunch of award stuff and finally made people go see it, and everyone went like, "Well, that was charming as hell and mm. really interesting." Thanks, movies.
0: Uh, also out this week: Timothy Spall, Alan Cumming, ann Hathaway, Jamie Bell, Christopher Plummer, and Jim Broadbent, and Nathan Lane, and Charlie hoonan and Nicholas Nickleby. Oof,
2: yeah. mm-hmm. another one that's like, "Well, that was charming."
3: Thanks, mm. movie. The Dickens, yeah.
2: <laughs> well, this thing, Nicholas Okay, Dickens in general. The stories are either long, dense, or both, and they have like a 1,000 characters, and there's lots of stuff going on, even in his simplest stories. Nicholas Nickleby is almost always made as a miniseries because there's a lot going on, and this one is just like, <laughs> we are cutting all the fat. We are making the sucker move. It's barely two hours.
3: Mm. And they yeah. do it. I thought they achieved a remarkable feat. I could tell that this was a long novel, which I haven't read, but I have read other Dickens, and it just moved too fast. And I was like, Wow. This is clipping (laughs) along at a steady and good pace. And yeah, yeah, it's a good Dickens uh, adaptation. If you've only ever seen like two, possibly three Dickens movies, I'd recommend giving this a shot because it'll, it'll give you that Dickens feel in two hours.
1: Yeah,
2: I think it's, again, the filmmaker's the same guy who did Emma, which yeah did the same thing if just like we're stripping it down or moving it fast it feels modern even if everyone's in costumes cool and yeah it's got it seems like it's kind of been forgotten I, like it got a golden globe nomination and in 20 years i've never heard anyone mention this when they talk about like adaptations and it's like no this nicholas nickleby is a good baby's first dickens <laughs> let's go yeah. yeah we got we got all your major themes right here pal
3: Hard pivot. (laughs) Uh, Very hard pivot. (laughs) Sorry, one last thing on Nicholas Nickleby. There is a line in this film where one of the characters says, and what would you do if I started making love to you right now? Now, at the time of Dickens (laughs) writing, Mm -hmm. making love meant kissing or other romantic stuff. It didn't take on the boinking. Version of it until like the 1940s in Great Britain.
0: My uncle lied to me. So, yeah. Oh, so gosh.
3: what he's really saying in that scene is, "What would you do if I started kissing you?" But it sounds so much more dirty with our modern ears because mm. he's saying, "What would you do if I started boinking you in this theater?" <laughs> to our modern ears, but what he's really saying is, "What would you do if I started kissing you in this
0: theater?" In the modern remake, he just say, "You're about to get nickelbead," and, <laughs> and uh, I'm putting my foot down to make a crazy turn. On my mm-hmm. Kawasaki Ninja for the hard pivot, <laughs> the hard, the hard turn into Orlando Jones, Derek Luke, oh, Jimon Hansu. How do we? Did I say his name yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. And cowboy Curtis Lawrence Fishburne in. Oh, you've been waiting so long for this since we started the show. Biker boys.
1: Hear ye,
3: hear ye, gather round.
1: It
0: doesn't matter who you
1: are.
3: Do you know what we call bikers in the ER? Organ donors.
1: It doesn't matter where you're from.
3: I think you're crazy.
1: All that matters is how fast you go. You talk like a man. Let's see if you can ride like one. Lawrence Fishburne, Derek
0: Luke, Orlando Jones, and Kid Rock. Biker
1: yes! Boys, we've done our own ropes!
0: Biker Boys. 2013 13 starts January. Oh, yes. Biker Boys. In the wake of the success of Fast and Furious, we get. Oh, yeah. The mm-hmm. ripoff biker boys based on an L.A. Times article about bike culture in L.A.
2: I think. Yeah, it's it's about black motorcycle drag racing gangs, mm. is which what, is like cool. What because... you see
0: in every D.M.X. video.
2: Yeah. I mean, honestly, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, I appreciate you know, at, like I appreciate anything that's about like a black subculture. Mm-hmm. Period. Just because just to have some representation, man, and to find out like, oh, this is a thing. Okay, and it turns out, yeah, it was a thing. But, I mean, the movie itself is, like, really dumb. But, yes. like, entertaining enough, it's like it's almost a recommend for me. Really? Like, if this is the kind of thing you want to watch a bunch of dudes racing motorcycles. No. I don't know what other movie I would recommend above this.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Only, I, I tried watching this a long time ago, got bored and gave up. But my favorite thing about it... Comedy Central interstitial, John Stewart saying, "What's up next on the Daily Show?" It's my favorite plug ever. Like so coming up next on the Daily Show, we got Lawrence Fishburne here to talk about Biker Boys. It's a movie about um, boys who—I let him explain—and <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite plug. <laughs> yeah. Biker I mean, Boys.
2: It is weird that Lawrence Fishburne is in this. Like he feels way too good for this sort of material. Sure. Even then,
0: but it's his three weeks' worth of work and his huge studio paycheck. Yeah. But get it, exactly. Lawrence.
2: Get you know, it. it's it's fine. Here we go into the movies of It's fine. It's yeah. not bad. It's not exactly good.
0: I these are, I saw all these and I don't
2: These are fine.
0: The same be said for the next one. Tony mm-hmm. Todd, Michael <laughs> Landes, AJ Cook and Ali Lauder in Final Destination 2. Ooh. The
1: end what did you see? It's
0: just the beginning.
2: Being alive after we were supposed to die caused a rift in
0: death's design. On January thirty-first, now we have to fight this thing. The next chapter. I my life. will leave you, breathless. Final destination.
1: I hope you're ready for this.
0: We are. FD two. If you're. If you're nasty uh final destination two the first sequel what come want to be five five series and a reboot i can't remember final <laughs> destination a film series that is very dumb but i like because it's very much in the vein of freddy krueger and well, basically freddy krueger just guess what violent and elaborate
3: way we're going to kill this person for violating <laughs> this design I will defend the first Final Destination film. Mm-hmm. I think the first Final Destination film is actually a interesting film if you consider the fact that what it actually is is a detective story, okay? The mm-hmm. characters do not know what's going on. And if you haven't had the premise of the film spoiled for you you don't actually know what's going on in final destination one either you're figuring that out as the characters figuring out so they've got this series of death happening to them why is it happening you can see them figure it out by the end and figure out the rules so that's actually an interesting thing for a horror film i think final destination two should be called final exposition because (laughs) it is just a bunch of characters talking and explaining everything to it there's no it the rules actually change in this one but the mm-hmm. characters don't really figure that out they're just basically told that
2: yeah i uh i i have not kept up on the final destination movies as we have talked about so many of them it feels like this is i think the lowest grossing one so yes. it makes me kind of surprised they went in for a third one which is when the series seems to really pick up it's an when, audience it's when
0: james wong comes back to direct Uh, and shepherd the series not right
2: where just i i appreciate that in in a weird way i'm gonna tie it back to matinee and and william castle and it like i appreciate the movie knows what we're here for yes we're here for sadism but not in a torture porn saw kind of way we're in a rube goldberg yes kind of way and give me five or six
0: moments of surprise
2: that pretty more and this <laughs> has, less and less likely to actually happen to a person. This
0: has but one okay. of the best the best car yeah. wreck sequences ever.
2: That that I have watched. I have not finished the whole movie cuz I'm a big I'm too much of a weenie, but I did watch the car crash sequence. is all I thought was, "Oh, this is the one with the log truck." Yes. So, okay, now I remember. <laughs> yeah. Now I remember.
3: The the thing is the premise of this movie is that once it happens, you're you're doomed your opponent isn't Freddy Krueger or Jason. It's true. Your opponent is death. You can't be beaten. You know, the one thing that's going to win every time forever if you mm-hmm. just wait long enough. And death in this film apparently just likes to toy with people who escape it because death he is likes bored. to get – He could just have you drop dead of a heart attack. Yeah. I mean, yeah. no. He wants to no. do the most elaborate Rue Goldberg mouse trap device – where I put, I you'll put some sci-
0: I put some cyanide in your Mcgriddle. This is not a good sequence. <laughs> 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 I'm deaf I'm bored as hell here. Let me
3: see what let me see what magic I can create. But yeah. I
2: it, I mean how many thousands of people are you killing every day? You, you got to spice things up.
3: Th- that's my headcanon is that death is just super bored so in this universe so when characters escape him he's just like, "All right. Now yeah. I'm going to let mm. my muse float free <laughs> yeah. normally it's just you know punching the clock doing my time for you yes let's mm. see
0: there's your Sandman episode Goddamn. alright <laughs> then lastly number one at the box office for no real reason Bridget Moynihan Colin Farrell Al Pacino in The Recruit I am recruiting you for the CIA would I have to kill anyone would you like to you will become CIA operatives. We're going to teach you to deceive, exploit, and
1: kill Nintendo. Rule number one. You can't, can't trust anyone. You will learn. Our enemies are everywhere. If you are caught,
0: no! you're dead. The recruit this is the job. <laughs> Ready PG-13. Um. Uh, so this was back in the day when I had friends who would go to the movie theater like, Almost every Friday and Saturday, and see just is there something new? I will see that. And I went with him. Like I'm going to be more selective from here (laughs) on out with the recruit. Very predictable thriller with a lot of Kurt Vonnegut references that amount to nothing.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah, Well, they needed the MacGuffin to do the MacGuffin. Yeah. That's it
2: yeah yeah come up with your own name (laughs) you have to call it ice nine Mm -hmm. we see what you did there
0: yeah yeah. Yeah.
2: it's just so it was very very predictable very predictable Mm -hmm.
3: it's very predictable it's very blah and at the end the bad guy does it for money okay yay Uh, yay oh wow
2: Yeah, I mean, it moved along at a decent pace. It's like the like lower end of fine kind of thing. You watch it, it's it kills in a, two hours, and then you kind of forgot that you watched it, but you're not like mad that you watched it. It's I was, kinda I was kind of
0: mad. <laughs> I was kind of mad and just like, like there wasn't anything better than this that like, Al Pacino or Colin Farrell could have done? Were they huge stars and could like carry this mm-hmm. film? It didn't get good reviews. It, it's mm-hmm. not beloved. There was never any follow-up to this and but how is this number one it just seems strange 20 years ago that this could be number one at the box office but then again news better than the old the recruit ladies and gentlemen the recruit please call me an asshole in the comments facebook group twitter if you love the recruit i would love to hear someone who's batshit nuts for the fucking recruit I, I know there has to be someone out there. Got Somebody. All the lobby cards <laughs> from the recruit. <laughs> uh, Just sitting there
2: going, How dare you?
0: Unbelievable. Uh, they don't appreciate it anyway. Uh, 2003 movies, January 27th through February 2nd. Uh, miracles debuts TV. on it. TV, what I say? TV. Um, TV, Miracles debuts on ABC. Starring the insane clown posse. No,
3: I don't know what the show is.
2: The hell is this? Miracle.
0: Uh,
3: this is What If the Vatican Had Its X Files Department. Oh. I wish I was dead. Ugh, put it on with
0: Touch by an Angel. I'm not watching this.
3: That's dumb. And uh, also dumb. on
0: ABC, Veritas Quest debuts on ABC as well.
3: What? Yeah, this is Let's Rip Off That Tia Carrera. Relic Hunter show.
0: Oh, good lord. Ew.
3: And it's like a rip-off of a rip-off, because that was ripping off Indiana Jones, and this is ripping it off.
2: Um, yes, yes. It's a dumb title, and I don't care.
0: We. All, th- this is the biggest one for me, because Jr. shocked the shit out of me with this by teasing it. The very end of Columbo, technically. Yep. No. Yep. I refuse is... to
2: believe that. He's going to come right back in with one more thing.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so I watched both the very first Columbo, and this one, the very last Columbo. Mm-hmm. And holy crap, do they <laughs> hold up. Uh, Chris, do you know who directed the very first Columbo? The, I do. The real start of the Columbo. It's Spielberg, okay. right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg. I saw that at the end of it. I was like,
1: what?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think he directed a couple <laughs> of pilots. Uh, that was going to be his thing for a while.
2: Yeah, that was, actually, I'm trying to, it, it was pre-Jaws, mm-hmm. but yeah. I feel well, like it was post-Duel, maybe?
3: Sugarland Express? No, I think it's it
2: around Duel. Okay. Duel 71.
3: Directing pilots is one of the sweetest gigs in oh, entertainment yeah. because if the pilot goes on to become a series, you get paid for the entire series because you started it.
0: God, God. damn didn't do the pilots. He did the first episode proper. Oh. So he might not have got that sweet pilot money. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, because there are like
2: two pilot movies, and then I think it's a series. So the very first pilot movie is 68, Mm -hmm. and then there's another one in 71, and then it actually goes to series in September 71.
3: Okay. Well, we're talking about the ending, and they had no clue that it was going to be the ending. Peter Falk was on board to do more, but then he got sick he got problems as he aged and just couldn't do it even though he really wanted to so uh you can play the clip thursday look who's back you're happy to see me
0: rocking a rave to catch a killer one more thing. Columbo <laughs> likes the <laughs> <afterlife, a world-premembered laughs> they gave his line thursday, yeah, yeah
3: they, they are not hyping this is the end of the 33 year long columbos but this last episode still holds up. Columbo is a fantastic fictional character. He is the master of the how done it. You know, his <laughs> whole thing is you start out the Columbo episode seeing the crime and then you see him figure out how the crime was done. And it works every goddamn time <laughs> it works. And it was because he's
0: it was pretty glorious to during the pandemic. It was awesome. I don't remember exactly how, but a bunch of kids Younger folks discovered Columbo and felt like this holds up just as well as any other procedural, like Law and Order, you see today. And this character is amazing. And there was like this Columbo Twitter thing happening of this <laughs> long dead actor and character. And I've been fascinated just because, you know, just random poking arounds of you, like how, how popular this character was over 30 years and how people almost didn't want to see Peter Falk. They wanted to see Columbo. I think I think I saw it. There was some Burt Reynolds special and he just comes out in character. I think I, I, I think it was the Frank Sinatra roast. And this is, it's got like Orson Wells and Ronald Reagan, I think, and uh, Jimmy Stewart. And then Peter Falk comes out as Columbo and tears the roof off the place, like <laughs> to roast Frank Sinatra. It's fucking hysterical. But this yeah, well, this...
3: he he loved that character. And at yeah. the end, he was writing a big percentage of Columbo's dialogue because he was just like, well, Columbo wouldn't say this. He'd say it that way. Yeah, I can, <laughs> and do, it. I can just... do this in my sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know this so,
2: guy. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I wish we had more of this of continuations of things just as TV movies. Yeah. where It was like, you know, there would be Columbo movies like You know, there'd be a series of them, five, six a year, and that was a that was a season of the show. And then from ninety to two thousand three, we get like maybe two or three a year. You know, probably during sweeps of like, hey, look, Columbo movie.
0: Hey, we got Mm -hmm. it's it's like the how they make Sherlock, but more (laughs) more spread out. It yeah, Yeah. it's a cool thing to do, and I, I I hope it hope there's something on TV now that could merit that type of treatment because I feel like that's kind of wonderful, like not having to wait super long for your favorite character to come back, even though they're not in a series. You just get these awesome TV movies. Yeah, we should get exactly. shit like that all the time.
2: Yeah, we talked about a uh, Murder She Wrote did it yeah. and um not Ironside, the other one. Perry Mason.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, we had those going for it seemed like a million years. Yeah. And I I never thought about like the continuity of I'm watching a Perry Mason made for TV movie in 1989. This is an old-ass property. Yeah. no, (laughs) they just do these every now and then.
3: It was really huge all over the world. This was giant in Japan, and uh, it was immensely popular in Romania to the point where they ran out of episodes. They had riots. What? (laughs) Like a fucking Simpsons episode with Matlock. Jesus. Peter Falk gave a speech saying, don't riot. I'll make more Columbo. Calm down. What are you doing? Uh,
2: and there, there is a statue in Budapest.
3: Wow! Yeah,
2: <laughs> it's wow. a life-size Peter Falk statue.
0: Well, fucking Columbo, character. man! It's great to see like <laughs> a fucking Columbo, a non-comic but, book character show that kind of longevity. Yeah. I,
3: I just, I love that we never see Columbo's home life, so everything he says is suspect. He talks about his wife, but. He could be making that up. He's trying to trick these people. Every relative he brings up, you know, my uncle told me the so-and-so. He could have read that in a book, but he's just saying his uncle to make you think that he's dumb, you know? Yeah,
0: and then, and uh, then let's do a hard pivot over to the Wacky Adventures of Ronald McDonald. You want to talk about odd ways for a TV show to spin itself out straight to video, but also straight to the drive-through. These were, I believe, exclusively available. At McDonald's, but a series of six films, I think they're like 40 minutes each, Klasky Chupo, the Rugrats people, bring, somehow making the McDonaldland characters look even more garish and unappealing uh, for yeah. straight to straight to video. It's been going on for five years, five, over the course of five years because uh, it seemed like they wanted these characters to take the place of the other McDonaldland images but I don't think that took but animation takes so long there were so many yeah. in the pipeline they're all on That's... YouTube now I love I love thinking about Manos like something that is like uncopyrightable that no one cares about these <laughs> McDonaldland
3: episodes Yeah but Chris you've frequently said He-Man cartoons should be illegal Yes. but I guarantee you Ronald McDonald has killed more people than He-Man Exactly you know <laughs> Exactly I mean th- this is you know Get addicted to my incredibly unhealthy food, kids. Yeah.
0: Come spray diarrhea in my ball pit. Uh, so <laughs> somebody making four seventy five an hour cleaning up, and it was probably me. Uh, also, ending this week when Ben Stein's money ends. So a show well, that's been on the air since ninety seven.
2: How are they going to find a new host? There are no hosts anywhere. Kimmel got bumped up to the big leagues, and clearly we can't find any other comedians who could host a quiz show.
0: Yeah, Nancy Pimentel bowed out. Like, I think her only, like, real on-screen appearance, she's largely a writer. Then uncle, Cousin Sal, who I think is still on Jimmy Kimmel's show. He was the last co-host to win Ben Stein's money. If we haven't said it before, one, it was like Comedy Central's big push for original programming, which, like, it's weird to think about in 96 Comedy Central had almost none and South Park really changed that. And like we're going to triple down on original programming. And what's also fun like they're competing to win $5,000 of Ben Stein's <laughs> money. A, a, like a fraction of what a losing Jeopardy contestant makes. It has to be reiterated because like he would if he lost which he rarely did you would have a trivia off with Ben Stein. Ferris Bueller's teacher. Bueller Bueller. Nixon speechwriter. Weird guy hates evolution, but he would rarely lose. And he would, when he would, he'd be really mad because that five grand was actually his five grand. He would take that home <laughs> if he won and he got pissed every time. So it was...
2: Yeah, it, I, th- that was the one thing I loved about the idea that you're competing for his appearance fee. Yeah.
0: And yeah. if
2: you win, he gets nothing. He gets nothing. He has wasted his time today.
0: Yeah, imagine Imagine Which, if you were taking yes, Trebek's money.
2: I, want, <laughs> I absolutely want to waste Ben Science's time and money. Yes, yes I Fuck do. Fuck that guy.
0: They had a promo of him, like, cursing after he loses. You fucking fuckers! Like, <laughs> like, having to bleep all that out. But yeah, a show I watched an insane amount of, but I'm not nostalgic for in any way. Let's see, Jimmy Kimmel sitting on a safe. Uh, on ABC this week, Kingpin debuts. I do remember this, a stab at uh, the gangster genre. Which...
3: Yeah, everyone's... This is, like, peak period of trying to rip off The Sopranos, right. I think. It's been on long ah, enough, and it's popular enough that everyone's going, you know? What if we had our gangster on network tv. Right.
0: Knowing full oh. well you won't do what the things that make the sopranos watchable. You just uh, won't do it.
2: Can I just refer once more to the Mad TV sketch about the sopranos on the Pax network? He was a made you... guy. You <laughs> <laughs> Beep! Beep! beep. <laughs> hey baby, you want to take
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just buttoning and now up the his lady's pants leaving. <laughs> uh, Kingpin. <laughs> It's not the Fairleigh Brothers bowling comedy you wish it was, which should be a streaming series. And one of my favorite, speaking of Columbo, one of my favorite weird ass properties that is just like tried and true, even when it fails, Dragnet debuts on ABC. A, A TV show I love pointing out has survived the format of radio, black and white, color hd movies like <laughs> dragnet has done yeah. everything
2: films several times in several yeah. different iterations
0: it's unbelievable
2: dragnet but, is the og procedural
0: mm-hmm. nothing quite like the original jack webb is a weird dude
2: yeah in... but this one this is one of those where i just feel so bad because it's ed o'neill and people yeah, thought it was right. a comedy again that's right this poor son of a bitch he is a a really talented, diverse actor, okay? Yeah. He's not Al Bundy.
0: Imagine doing his Glenn character from Wayne's World as a no-nonsense cop. Like, <laughs> he could totally do this. Berate hippies, it'd be great.
2: It had a good cast. Ava Longori was on there. Ethan Embry was on there. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, man, it wasn't to be. The guy just could not catch a break. He had to just go back to comedy, at least be the straight man on Modern Family.
0: It's It's weird. I think we're only in a period now where I don't think a dragnet Happens again because it happened. We've talked about it in multiple decades coming back because it survived in reruns so well. But like, I think it's been a while and I don't think its name means anything anymore. But like, it's the same format of shit on network television today. It could totally work. And then lastly, we got The Simpsons, Strong Arm of the Mob.
3: Marge Simpson gets mugged, and then in reaction to that, she becomes a incredibly buff weightlifter to make sure I she's have... safe from now on. And yeah, I'm sure this inspired like a thousand rule 34 drawings out there of bodybuilder Marge, Good but Lord. Uh, this is... Homie, why don't I stomp on your nuts for a little while? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 why? This Thanks is Marius. technically the 300th episode of the show, ah. but Fox promoted the 302nd episode as the 300th. So I don't know what to go with. Hmm. (laughs) It's always complicated. Uh, As for video games, we got
0: Nada this week. Good, because I'm on a time. I'm on a tight time schedule here. But let's go out with "Crimea River" by Justin Timberlake, a song you surely know. Is that on the charts this week?
2: Yep, it's uh, like three or four. I wanted to avoid it because I remember how fucking creepy the video is. Yeah. He's stalking someone who looks an awful lot like Britney Spears. Oh goodness! A lot. He's breaking into her house and he's making out with some other chick and filming it and leaving it for. Her. It's creepy.
0: Okay. Well, JT will take us out. But stay there. We got one more segment in the cam. You don't want to miss 2013, so stay right there.
1: Me with some other guy. Will burn, now it's your turn to cry.
2: Mr. Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea, it's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of January 27th through February 2nd, a couple recommends and some interesting history to talk about. So fifty years ago this week, paris Peace Accords were signed, ending the Vietnam War officially. Um, except it didn't quite end for a little while. There were still fighting and bombing and bad things. Um, yeah, it sucks. And then this thing just to show how far the past is not the past, I found out that 75 years ago this week, 1948, Orville Wright died at the age of 76. That's how recent flight is. <laughs> they, they flew for the first time in 1903, and Orville Wright is alive to see biplanes being used in World War I. He's alive to see air combat being an essential component of World War II. The V-2 rocket and the atomic bomb. Orville Wright was alive in 1948, is what I'm saying, and that's freaking me out. Anyway, is there a good Wright Brothers movie? Not really. I think there isn't one called, like, The Story of Orville and Wilbur Wright. Just, uh, um, nah, 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 nah. Maybe someone will make a good one sometime. Anyway, since we talked about matinee, I gotta throw out a William Castle movie. Uh, I mentioned a couple, The House on Haunted Hill and Thirteen Ghosts, which both got remade. And the remakes are like, okay, they're kind of interesting. The one I have to recommend, though, is The Tingler with Vincent Price. I think it might be his, like, best actually good movie because it's about if you have a lot of fear, there's a creature and it grows in your spine called the tingler and it looks like a little kind of centipede guy. And the only way to make it not kill you is to scream, scream for your life. And this was shot in Percepto, which is just having joy buzzers under some of the seats to goose people and be like, oh, God, the tingler's here. And there's a part where The Tingler gets loose in a movie theater. So if you're watching it in a movie theater, it's like super meta. It's come to life. You've got to scream. Scream, damn it, or it'll kill you. Uh, yeah, The Tingler, it is a lot of fun. Vincent Price, chewing scenery as always. Love it. And uh, eight years ago this week, I don't know some movie called Casablanca came out. So you've had five years since I recommended it for a 75th anniversary. If you haven't watched Casablanca by now, I don't know what to say to you because it's not homework it is an enjoyable movie on every level it's also really funny it's the inspiration for the star wars cantina okay is that what i have to tell you it's so much fun everyone is so fun in it and it gets better every time honestly i still see stuff i'm like huh i forgot about that part so yeah casablanca 1943 come on guys like i said it's not homework it's really fun i promise it's a great date movie it's got something for everyone and that's it for this week stay
1: classic Some tags. Only got twenty dollars in my pocket. I'm hunting, I'm looking for a cover. This is fucking soul Nah, walk into the club like, "What up? I got a big cock." I'm just pumped. I bought some shit from a thrift what? shop. Ice on the fringe is so damn frosty. The
0: people like, damn, that's a
1: cold ass honky. Robbing in hella deep.
0: Coming into 2013 with Thrift Shop by Macklemore and Ryan Lewis featuring Wan's Wayne's Ah, uh, Jesus, am I out of touch in 2013. Ten years ago, it's number one. Welcome to 2013, January 27th through February 2nd. Groundhog Day, ten years ago. Uh, Other new music releases 10 years ago include Conduit by Funeral for a Friend, Passione by uh, Andrea Bocelli, uh, Get Up by Ben Harper, and Charlie Musselwhite. A a Messenger by Colton Dixon, Believe Acoustic by Justin Bieber, Hummingbird by Local Natives, Heartthrob by Tegan and Sarah, Oddfellows by Tomahawk, and MBV by My Bloody Valentine. Woo! Welcome to 2013, everyone.
2: I know it's easy to make fun of Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, but finally, this is a song for me and my life and how I feel. (laughs) I like thrift shop. No, seriously, let's think about it. How many rap songs are about how I drive a Benz and I'm sipping Courvoisier and I got all this bling, blah, 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 blah. blah. And this is about, I have $20 and I'm going to buy something ridiculous. Yeah.
0: I found a Wayne's World crew t-shirt in a LA thrift store. Tell my story. Tell my story.
2: Yeah. And Sorry, I love thrift shop. Deal with
0: it. Me too. A little bit of news to remind you what's happening in the world 10 years ago. John Kerry succeeds Hillary Clinton as U.S.
3: Secretary of State. This is the start of her presidential run. Mm-hmm. There was really <laughs> no reason to not stay as U.S. Secretary of State. That's a very, very important position. If you're looking to do anything but be president, you mm-hmm. should probably stay in that position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no,
2: it- she was... So overqualified. She <laughs> was so overqualified.
0: Yeah, it's best not to harp on it, especially. But the
2: Secretary of State is, a, is probably the hardest job that gets the least amount of love. Like, you have to be our lead diplomat around the world.
0: Yeah, and it's a better job for her than fucking vice president. So I'm
3: glad she didn't yeah. get that that gig. Uh, yeah, I, I think she would have been best if she would have set out to be Speaker of the House or leader of the senate i think both of those would have actually fit her talents much better than running for president don't yeah. think that was ever her strongest uh, <sighs> way to
2: go true i guess you're oh. right she could have just held up in the senate for like a thousand years but yeah. she
0: didn't well if it, money shouldn't be a concern with her uh nah, it's not. and no. uh moving on to movies of 2013 Ugh. Bill Burr, Alan Arkin, uh, Mark Margolis, Juliana Margulies, Christopher Walken, and Big Al Pacino in uh, Stand Up Guys.
2: Um, He's back. Boy, did this split critics. And I feel bad that I did not get around to watching it. Yeah,
0: me too. But I do remember reading it was fucking terrible.
2: That's what some critics were like. This is fucking terrible. And some of them really liked it. The, really? the whole thing is Al Pacino just got out of prison. His old buddy Christopher Walken is like hanging out with him and taking him around. But also it has been hired to kill him. He has to kill him or else they're both going to die because my boss, Mark Margolis. Mm. And then they end up with Alan Arkin, who used to be the getaway driver. And wackiness ensues. There's there's a lot of Viagra humor that <laughs> came up a lot. That came up a what lot. Is- and- 1998,
3: right? Oh. oh goodness
0: <laughs> goodness oh it's a podcast from 2022 oh no no no
2: um, yeah so i don't know i like i i ran out of time i ran out of time to see stand-up guys because i was see... sort of like do we have to do these movies where like the old timers get back together and, and then they embarrass themselves and it sounds like this is one of the better ones. But then also some people hated it. I don't know.
0: Does, does, I don't know.
2: Put it in the comments.
0: You didn't have time, Diana, to see Benjamin Javeri from Short Circuit's directorial debut? I guess narrative I film? I did not. <laughs> no, he produced no, it. No, yeah, Fisher Stevens Fisher Stevens this. is the director of this movie.
2: I, I did not. I mean, I think most of the nicer reviews were sort of like, it's nice to see these guys hang out and do things that are unexpected. Mm. Just like, yes, but... I knew that when I walked in the door, though. Yeah. Pl- yeah. Put in comments. You want to go to that for stand up guys because ran out of
0: time. And it should be something I would love, given that it's like a spiritual sequel to the movies of a lot of these characters that I did love. Sa- same could be said of the next film. I'd also split critics. And by that, I mean 90% negative. John Seda, Jason Momoa, Christian Slater, Atawale, BC from Oz. <laughs> <I'm-> <laughs> Cannot say his name. Sarah Shahi, uh, Sung Kang, and Sylvester Stallone, and Walter Hill's bullet to the head. You know what I am? I'm a people person. I'm watching him back. The only reason I have a partner, right?
2: Right. I want the guys who give you partners. So what are we going to do? Take
3: them out. Well, you mean take them in? Right, take them in, whatever. They should have never tried to burn me.
1: Bang
0: down oh <laughs> that's cute bullet to the head it I, I watched some uh clips of the film and it, it's Walter Hilly, baby H- old hitman hunting hitman 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 blah yep. beady, blah beady, blah blah
3: Hit, blah
2: <sighs> hitman and cop versus hitman and corrupt cops
3: mm-hmm. Sylvester Stallone plays a hitman who hits men with bullets in the head this, he, he has some
0: semi here's the here's the weird notion I had when looking at this. Sylvester Stallone must have been such a huge mega box office movie star before I was really paying attention. The rest of my life from about the last 30 years, I've been watching him make comeback features up to and including <laughs> Tulsa King and never quite succeeding unless he's making, you know, a sequel to something beloved from the 80s. Having seen Tulsa King, which is like watchably terrible terrible but it's just fun to watch stallone sometimes and he it's nice to see him going for it but i watched this this axe fight with him and jason momoa and it was so wwe-esque <laughs> in that like you have an axe but i'm gonna use it as a hook or a bat or, or uh. a laser pointer it's never ever uses an axe for four minutes
3: <laughs> well, this is you know the second attempt in seven days, because we just saw Arnold's attempt yeah. to bring back the '80s action films. Yeah. This is Arnold tried it, and now seven days later, Sly tries it, and they both don't work. And, and Expendables you
0: know? had given you know studios reason to think it was possible, but obviously Ex- Expendables was an expediating circumstance because yeah, it was it all was of them.
3: its own thing. It's all of them. Mm-hmm. It's like you know those music tours you see sometimes where it's like wow all the bands from my high school age are playing together that's great they're playing together because they can't play solo anymore right, right. Mm-hmm.
2: yep i just i appreciate that Sun kang is the buddy in the buddy yeah. cop thing um Han. who i guess most people probably know from the later fast and furious moves three uh, tokyo drift onward walter hill is basically like yeah i thought it'd be good to put an asian person in there for the asian market it's like way to ruin the a, good thing that you. had a boy, did. Walter. <laughs> I just like yeah, put in someone. It's like you know, Asian cops exist in America, right? <laughs> no, no just put one of them in there. God damn it, Walter.
3: But
0: yeah, I did not totally get around to seeing this other than some clips on YouTube. Did not get great reviews, but I
3: watched it for the first time and. Uh, it's do a double feature with this and the, the Arnold last, film last we stand. talked about last, need, yeah. last week, whose name I've already forgotten. The Last Shows Stand. You how yeah. yeah. <laughs> last Stand, bullet to head, watch them back to back and go, okay, that's it, 80s action movies. You don't have any more guns in your barrel. You're done. Yeah. You don't.
0: It's true. Uh, I can sort of see it. But, again, I cannot stop watching Tulsa King, a fucking pretty terrible show. But <laughs> there's just some something wonderful about our our culture making stallone a megastar and hearing him he's one of the most fascinating guys to read interviews with because he's you know had to write most of his career always love my stallone a little bit for a movie i can't decide if i want to recommend or not yet
2: Um, really this this was an easier call for me
0: yeah Um,
2: like i think this is the first like oh we have a pretty good movie yeah, in I got, January. I got well. Uh, technically, I think it's February
0: first. am I'm, I'm seeing a lady kind of into heart and I, I loved that trailer for Diana. If you didn't see it, Renfield, the story yes. of Dracula's <laughs> assistance with nicholas holt and she's like oh it's the guy from warm bodies i'm like funny you should say that i have to watch that for work so once again that movie's amazing so dave franco john malkovich rob cordry teresa palmer nicholas holt it's number one at the box office warm bodies i wish i could introduce myself but i'm dead we're all
3: dead that guy in the corner is definitely dead this girl
0: what are you I don't understand, but he's changing and he's learning to be human again. They are evil, pure evil. You should safe. Oh, they're somehow curing themselves. They're not curing themselves. Shoot on the side. Warm bodies. Don't look. Okay. Peter PD 13. Warm bodies. I, I really am going back and forth with like, is this awesome or fucking stupid? And I, I think mm-hmm. I saw it was based um... on a book and like I can see how this... Written in a book would be just less silly, <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. it does come across... I was all on board the first 40 minutes, and well, then I just started it, laughing at the movie, not with it.
3: Tackling <laughs> and changing one of the central conceits of the entire zombie genre. Yeah, The word zombie is actually a philosophical term. It originates in the philosophical question of what if there was an entity that looked like a human but didn't have any internal life? How would you react to someone who is a human in shape but doesn't actually have any there there? There's no brain. There's no nothing. Uh, What are your morals to someone without an internal sense of experience? Qualia is the technical term. And this says zombies do think. Zombies do feel. And that's completely throwing out one of the central conceits of the zombie genre, which is what if I could shoot many, many humans and not feel (laughs) guilty about it? Yeah. Yeah. George. One
2: thing I found interesting about this is I, you can read it as being that zombies can recover Mm -hmm. or you can, and they have internal lives, or you could read it as these zombies are recovering and that's why they begin to have
0: internal lives. Or or they're evolving Mm. because the reason why I, I, I like, I'm not a huge person for, like, canonical zombies, but the last Romero zombie movie, Land of the Dead, he shows these creatures are going back to their... are finding some of their old instincts. They're picking up instruments and moving them around, even though they don't know, remember how to play them. So he was kind of getting it... That, was, that I think that would have been his next phase for zombie movies anyway, but, like, it's just such a smart narrator <laughs> all the time in the character of R... But then there's all this stuff that, like, they have to talk and sometimes speak in catchphrases, and then are brought back to life by love. Like, Jesus <laughs> yeah. Christ!
2: Well, I mean, let's okay. We look. We just we just ended the Twilight series, mm-hmm. so we we are doing young adult horror romance mm-hmm. now we're we're trying to see if there's more of those out there that that can be profitable and Teresa palmer the lead actress is very <laughs> christian stewarty and i like her oh, she's yes. fun but you can see how this would got greenlit based on that idea and that it's just it's a retelling of romeo and juliet it's just there's zombies <laughs> so
3: i actually played a very tiny part in the marketing of this film what okay yep. I was selected to watch the first preview for Warm Bodies before it had been released to theaters, before it had been on television, and it was 100% a Twilight preview. Ah. It was like, this movie is Twilight. This movie is 100% Twilight. Do not think of anything but Twilight while you are watching this preview. Hmm. And I gave all my feedback, and I was like, I was very interested in seeing your movie until <laughs> I saw this preview. You killed every last inch of interest I have in seeing your movie now. And they never quite 100% could get rid of the Twilight vibe because it's like, well, we did vampires, now it's zombies. But the films are really nothing alike. No. I, I, yeah. I, I found yeah. this to be for, it's a complete retelling of Romeo and Juliet to such a degree that there's the balcony scene uh, recreated <laughs> yeah. in this film. Yeah. And it's, done a lot better than twilight if you're thinking eh, it's twilight with zombies it's really not it's got a lot more heart to it there's acting is better the dialogue is better and it's a smart this mo- is a it, light recommend for me Me too honestly. it's
0: it's a smart it's a smart movie that did have me rolling my eyes on occasion because at its heart it, it is you can see that it's good it's centralized around a romance but like the idea of like uh, of evolution of of the film zombie like what if the movie begins, like the wall is already erected. The protective stuff is in place. Like we're living in a world where we keep these things out. They're not that big a risk anymore. They're just sort of doing their own thing outside the wall. And you can evolve past that into like a bony person with no organic skin material. And just like this naked skeleton. And was, there were, just watching some of those effects like holy shit this looks bad 10 years even for something (laughs) 10 years ago those effects look really really awful but i don't know maybe skeletons will always look awful running (laughs) uh
3: the stop motion skeleton still yeah i love look interesting to me every other skeleton looks so fake and i've I don't know if I've ever seen a like, wow, that's an awesome skeleton.
0: But yeah, if, if if a zombie is like any other organic being in the universe, it has to have a next phase in its evolution. And I don't want to spoil the real ending to the book I Am Legend, but it's just like, hey, man we can't help what we are like uh yeah. we didn't ask to we didn't ask to be this either but hey there may, there may be more or as many of us as you so we might have to figure our way to live together and yeah it, it was ultimately yeah pretty fucking enjoyable sure i'll give it that
2: mm-hmm. yeah and i mean you could look at it as like love fixes people or just something reminds them how to be human again yeah. they've been not human for so long that oh right I, I was a human wasn't i like the whole not idea a, is, like they wander around an airport because that's just somewhere people used to wait so it seems right
0: but not like, not like, unlike you just need something to wake you up it presents so many awesome new aspect specs to zombie lore such as eating the brains is the most delicious part because you also devour the memories of your victim mm-hmm. the move he ate your boyfriend he ate your boyfriend. <laughs> how quickly can you fall in love love with this guy? So
3: I, I I interpret that as she has spent her entire teen years in the zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. So she's just numb to loss at this point. She's lost mm-hmm. so many sure, people that it's sure, just sure. like, well, I've lost someone. I guess it's a Tuesday.
0: And This guy really knows all the right moves for some reason. He yeah. ate it's the eight-day Franco's brain. <laughs>
2: it's almost like he's known me for a long time. Yes. Huh. How, how about
1: that? <laughs>
0: It was just one of those things, like like watching that seventh Fast and the Furious movie, and like, but Jason Statham killed Han. You can't be his <laughs> friend. You cannot be his friend. But uh, yeah. It, ultimately, I I smiled the whole way through the movie. So like, why not? Give it a yeah. I'll give it a recommend. Sure. There you go. Warm bodies, a cute, clever movie that maybe steers a little too. But but again, it's it, it was a movie my girl really liked, and she likes really really light horror, mostly just vampires, and really dug this movie. Moving on to television of 2013, January 27th through Groundhog Day, we got the end of 30 Rock, which had been on the air for seven seasons since 2006, despite how much it cost and how much NBC complained about it and wanted to replace it with Jay Leno. 30 Rock, a kind of a flawless show that like, I don't know, mm-hmm. JR, am I being pissy here? I just sort of wish it got like, it, it gets a fun ending, or like a sweet ending, but like not like... It's not one of the better endings to one of my favorite shows.
3: They needed the full season because, you know, this is January. You don't end your show in January. You end it in May, you know? So they should have had the full season to tie up all the loose ends, but it's rushed but everyone gets a send off. You know, That's the true. end. We see all the characters with all their proper fates. For me, Thirty Rock is such just a amazing television show. I think it a hundred percent holds up today. Oh, yeah. It's worth a rewatch if you haven't given it a rewatch. The jokes still land. It's it's amazing, and I think it's Tina Fey's best work by far. Although I just started watching Girls, Girls Five Ever. 5 ever. To get my Tina Fey fix. And it's holding steady. Yeah. I mean, I'm at episode four right now, and everyone has had me laughing out loud, which is what I look for in my comedies. As as a
0: huge 30 Rock fan, it's bizarre to think of Tina Fey's shows becoming even more surreal and (laughs) and still caring (laughs) about the characters, but they do. And Girls 5 Eva, yeah, I haven't seen some of the more recent episodes, but I love it. But 30 Rock did a binge during the pandemic. Did ad-free Hulu? It's responsible for a burn-in logo into my TV. I'm still pissed about that. (laughs) Re-enabled ads on Hulu just so that doesn't happen again. But uh, just a flawless show, and this is like Uh, a fine episode. I just, you know, I wish it was one. I I, I wish it was a classic somehow. And but it's it's just silly for the most
3: part. Do you want to hear my favorite Tina Fey quote about Thirty Rock? Please. We were trying to make home improvement, and we did it wrong. (laughs) You know those scientists who were developing a blood pressure medicine and they accidentally invented Viagra. We were trying to make Viagra and we ended up with blood pressure medicine. <laughs> <laughs> 30 Rock is amazing. Just just it's
2: so good. When it started I like rolled my eyes yeah. like really? You're going to make a TV show about how funny your workplace is? Your particular workplace and you're going to valorize Saturday Night Live and all the writers are so great and it's like no everyone on the show sucks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, The whole point is the writers
2: are terrible, the stars are worse, the the corporate people are Satan, (laughs) and no one knows what they're doing.
3: And I guess I'll say this for the last time, that is the mistake they made with Studio 60 on the Sunset Trip strip yeah. everyone in that show was an angel everyone was on the side of goodness they should have had it be the larry sanders show yeah. where everyone is backbiting and everyone's an asshole because that would have been interesting drama and people kind of you know? hate
0: the show they're working on instead of like mythologizing it as they're doing it like it uh, has the power to heal this comedy uh, and, don't, and and then no. another another trick from 30 rock don't show so much of your sketches because they're not gonna yeah. be funny Mm-mm. yeah and and no.
2: You, you, you need 20 seconds of, uh was it Milf Island, which now exists. Island. Yes. <laughs> which exists? Yes. Which to
3: mention this. Uh, so <laughs> 30 Rock did come up with this spoof, Hollywood Executives. It was a spoof TV show called Milf Island. And now, in our current year, there's an actual show called Milf Manor. And spoilers, the whole twist which the entire world saw coming, is that the MILFs are on the island with their sons. It's, the whole
0: yeah. joke in 30 Rock was how the audience who likes this show doesn't want this show to exist. <laughs> and here it is, with now, a twist.
2: The question I have for network television is, when do we get Bitch Hunter?
0: A bitch Hunter. <laughs> or, or Ninja
3: Rapper. Uh,
2: yeah, or what, Tracy Jordan in Fat Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> He's a dog though,
3: so it's okay. I uh, Tracy Jordan's Black Hitler.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> honky grandma be tripping. Oh yeah.
3: I for didn't care favorite. for this this
0: episode's anti Blimpy uh, slant because <laughs> no. I haven't had it for years and I'm dying for a sandwich right now. But yes, moving on. Victorious ends on Nickelodeon, and you will have to fill us in, young list young listener, on whatever the fuck that was.
3: Basically, the concept of this show is a girl who only ever sings alone has to fill in for her prima donna sister on her prima donna sisters entrance exam for this cool hip high school where everyone sings and everyone dances and everyone does arts and it's really wacky. And then her sister gets sick and she performs amazingly. And so this normal kid is in this high school filled with crazy zanius And this was basically just, Hey, Hannah Man- Montana's a thing. Uh-huh. Let's Nickelodeon up that shit.
0: Yeah. yeah. All right. Fine. All right. And uh, then we also had the debut of Dudo No Harm on NBC. Another doctoral procedural, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, uh, uh, so, no. No, no, no. <laughs> no. No, <laughs> I didn't <laughs>
2: look this one up, but oh, I laughed. <laughs> gimme, give gimme, give gimme. Give what is it? Modern Jekyll and Hyde in a hospital. Oh,
3: boy. Yeah, the <laughs> I think doctor, it went two episodes. <laughs> the doctor turns 830. At 8.30 p.m. every night, he turns evil. And then at 8.30 a.m. each morning, he turns good. What?
0: <laughs> Does he so he no. doesn't sleep. I'm sensing guess, a lot of harm.
3: I guess he sleeps when he's in his alter ego form. I'm sensing a lot of harm
0: happening here. No. Reoccurring Lindman Miranda is like, the cast what the fuck all right no, I've never heard of this okay yeah do no harm that debuts Th- this is a six out get to, to me it to some though. heavy hitters the americans hitters. on fx debuts this yeah, week I am. and i i have i don't know that i've seen a, had a more recommended show to me by people i trust and whose opinions i think are great uh, critics as yeah. well uh, and i just haven't uh, been able to get into it for some reason i've watched the first episode or two but i hear it's ama- it has one of the best runs uh, of any show
2: oh yeah yeah, yeah, that's what I have heard, too. That's one uh, I watched for a season. When it came back, I didn't hear about it. And then I dropped off. And now I'm behind. And now I have the whole rest of the show to watch. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. It's for something you would think they would run out of ways to have twisty, turny things. Because it's about undercover Soviet spies in the 80s America. Mm-hmm. You'd think sooner or later they're going to run out of people they can kill to cover mm-hmm. it up for stuff or whatever. And uh, they, they, never, they never do. It keeps twisty turny the whole goddamn time.
3: I, I haven't seen it. So I haven't seen it. How do they make your protagonist who are murderous spies for a totalitarian regime people you root for or do you not root for them?
2: Yes and no. You also know that they will be killed if they fuck up. They'll be killed by the Soviets. They'll be killed by the Americans. Mm. Um, Their family will be taken away because, <laughs> I mean, they have... Their cover story is they're, you know, a happy family but they were they didn't choose each
0: other the, but they the, gotta have this cover being that it's russia there's a high probability they didn't volunteer for their training or assignments <laughs> you've nope. been doing this since birth uh but it's yep. a show i man I, I consider a real big blind spot because i'll say maybe 10 years ago i think fx kind of takes some of heat from hbo and makes mm-hmm. just as many if not more interesting programs as starting 10 years ago and speaking of you know Out, out, out of network debuts. Like Jr. said, uh, I think he teased it last week. Not Netflix's first original programming. Fuck you, Lilyhammer. Netflix's first big, big, uh, network show.
3: Yeah, House of Cards debuts. To Mm. me, this is the start of Netflix as an original programming juggernaut. (laughs) Because practically from day one, I started hearing about House of Cards in a way I never. Did with Lily Hammer. Lily Hammer was always like, wow, did you hear about this? House of Cards was very much, you've got to watch it. Now, yeah, you, it's based did, on a very popular British show yes. that as predates a, it.
0: as a good template, and David Fincher is overseeing it, directing the pilot, and uh, great
3: cast? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm- okay. I,
2: oh, it's true. No, 2013, I'm just looking at the timeline real fast, because like, I feel like all these things happen at the same time, but uh, across 2013, Netflix is starting... Out here in January with House of Cards. Summer is Orange is the New Black, and fall they start with the Marvel shows.
0: Yeah, that's yeah.
2: a lot of very expensive, and, and very risky programming, and they slam dunk all of it. We
0: were seeing Netflix find new and bigger audiences for uh, other shows like Thirty Rock and Arrested Development. So I think the idea of like a brand new prestige drama dropping every fucking episode made ah. this so like people. Ha- I think we're kind of moving out of that phase because it's kind of daunting what Netflix yeah. keeps doing. But yeah, you make people have to talk about it because you, instead of one episode a week, you make this literally part of people's day. <laughs> yeah. We, we have
2: to mention a, this, yeah. but then it becomes a thing of like, no, I'm only on episode four. Don't tell me, don't tell me. Right?
3: Yeah. But they had to experiment to find out because yeah. Netflix' whole thing is they, they started this. You know, HBO was releasing. You watch one week at a time, Still and that's are. all you get. Still are mm-hmm. which I think is the better way, but regardless, Netflix was like, you know we're we're digital, we literally don't have to do this. What if we didn't do what they've always done for television because we're digital? I think it was a worthy experiment. I don't like it. I, I say just <laughs> make your audience wait one week between episodes, but he, with because... as
0: much stuff as they're releasing now, I will forget unless I'm it's really point. Yeah. You'll right. My it. face. Oh yeah. I, I, there's, there's yeah. plenty of shows that release like that, that I, I forget for a, like a month at a time. Yeah. Uh, I have literally right, maybe a,
2: a notepad next no, to no. the TV to remind me. Oh wait, have I seen all of Willow? No, I haven't. Better go check.
0: Jay, I, I, I think remember
2: what daisies are.
0: I agree with you because like having a week to like reflect on a show and remind you like to th- just to think about it or talk to it, like it does build it up to live yeah. with a show over the course of eight, To 12 to 20 weeks is very different from, you know, whenever like a new exciting Netflix show drops, I do feel like it's a race. Because I can't use the fucking internet until I've seen <laughs> every episode to, go to get spoiled
3: for me. But like, I guarantee you, the Willow podcast out there—I don't necessarily know if it would be an ex- Willow Talk mm-hmm. if it would be in existence if they dropped it all at once. Because it's like, no, we yeah. have to wait a week. We have to have time to ju- digest this one episode each week, you know. And if it drops all at once, that's that's a lot harder. Fandom, it's like fandom needs the time to digest. I, I, I think Netflix saw really that when they, the way they
0: released the previous season of Stranger Things, so they released it in two chunks, and mm-hmm. that meant twice in a year people are talking about this rather than, like, one time during yeah. the year. Because, you know, better uh, Breaking Bad got like, it was water cooler talk. People were talking about this throughout 13 weeks uh, rather than just a week. Any in, in House of Cards in particular, I think it may have started... My ritual of doing something else while I'm watching a Netflix show because, like, they're. <laughs> I think the first season is pretty intriguing because Frank Underwood's talking a lot, but like, he's not very important yet. And there's other important characters in smaller jobs, and he'll eventually go on to the most important, biggest job where nobody else, what no one else is doing, matters if they've lived. But I, I think it kind of spun its wheels a lot, <laughs> the mm-hmm. uh, House of Cards. And mm-hmm. it has a complete and season that i have never seen without its star kevin spacey once he was uh cast off into oblivion for reasons that should be obvious it, also i should i should note just like this in veep were on the air as a show about presidents when the most unbelievable ridiculous president ever came into office and had to try how do we make this show interesting so i i think both those seasons are kind of compelling like how do you make there's no way you can compare to what's going on right now in the actual white house now and that wasn't the case with the boring guy before that (laughs) that's a good
1: point
2: i hadn't thought about yeah there are two post-trump seasons there are i should check them out i I think (laughs) the
0: people said like well we just have to make her more horrible and more unlikable (laughs) And, and, and made it a point to do that and um I remember what happens in House of Cards. He stops narrating until like the last episode. And he turns to you and he's like, you forgot I was watching (laughs) y'all. And like gives this speech that lets lets you know he knows what's going on in the world. It's very weird. And like it was one of my favorite moments of television despite this show having a lot of filler and being pretty
3: prestigy and slow. So we're going to talk about the British version later this year. Oh. Which is superior. Okay, I've not seen it. What's it called? House of
0: Cards. House of Cards. That's such a good name. Uh, I have not seen it. So moving very briefly into the games of 2013, Dungeon Land is out on PC. Dungeon Land. So this is a dead
3: game. It was a MOBA with a twist. Three players play the adventure. The fourth player takes the role of the dungeon master. And why was this never made for the Wii U? God damn it, Wii U, that's such a perfect thing to do, and they never really did it. Yeah, after uh,
0: games have the the name land in it somewhere anyway. Why not?
3: Yeah. But in 2018, uh the games online servers closed and this is a dead game. You oh. cannot play it. Oh. Well that sucks.
0: Poor Dungeon Land, but there's plenty of other games out there. Vision game apocalypse this week, as we get into plugs. I think we're talking about something even Diana might be interested in. The worst games based off of movies that didn't deserve games to begin with. Based off the biggest box (laughs) office bombs. We were trying to structure out, like, which one of these is more meritless to have made a game out of? I think we may have hinted at one on this very program, just in the recent past. But uh, yes, I think Chris Baker of Willow Talk will be joining us to the Willow Podcast. Patreon.com slash laser time. We got a bunch of new stuff up there for you. Superman, Tootsie, 48 Hours Talk. Yeah, sick of Star Wars. Big, long chunk about Empire Strikes Back. What it must have been like to not know if a Star Wars sequel will be good or to not oh. know the most spoiled thing in maybe possibly the history of film. What is it like to not know that? And Ooh. it's really interesting to see newscasters, people like, I liked it all except for the ending. <laughs> oh okay die where can folks find you at
2: uh, they can find me on the twitter at listen a nerd l-e-c-i-n-e-n-e-r-d or follow the show at thirty twenty ten podcast that's 302010 podcast coming up next week jason bateman and melissa mccarthy are going to fight over thievery. Ooh. One of the highest grossing movies in China ever made, which I've watched and was pretty freaking cool. Mm. Matthew McConaughey is going to enter his two people leaning against each other. Rom-com phase. <laughs> <laughs> and we get the national lampoon parody of buddy cop movies that we we didn't know we needed, but it turns out maybe we did. I love it. Especially if Samuel L. Jackson is there.
3: Yeah,
0: funny as fuck.
3: And And? Pebbles and Bam Bam tie the rock. Get it? Oh, my God. Because they're cavemen. I get Eh? (sighs) I watch so much of this crap. Go to hell. Oh, Lord. Uh, What many consider the best TMNT cartoon debuts. Oh, I know what you're talking about. And the gas leak year begins. Uh, I might
0: have to watch <laughs> that. I, I have not done a rewatch of that uh, at all. Been one of my favorite shows. Very strange. But with that out of the way, we're going to tell you who uh, who died during this period. And uh, 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 and then we're going to do a quiz you can play along with. Who lived? But die who died during this period of 30
2: 2010? Oh, man. This sucks. 1993. That's, uh, today we mourn a giant. Andre the Giant passed away. He was 49 years old. 49. He died. Uh, he was in Paris for his dad's funeral.
3: Yep.
0: Died in his hotel. Um, died in
2: his hotel. Every... How do you get him out of the The guy weighed 500 pounds and was 7 foot 4.
0: Yeah. God they t- they tell damn. a rumor of it when he had to take a shit on a plane. They just had to draw a curtain around him.
3: <laughs> every story I've heard about him is just like, Wow. Like I want to hear another. That, please.
0: I was just about to say that there aren't that many individuals. I want to hear every story everyone's ever had. And YouTube knows that and constantly delivers. <laughs> I've seen Carrie Elways live twice to talk about The Princess Bride, and 60% of it is are Andre the Giant stories. Always. Yeah. And, and 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 because he's just kind of one of the most fascinating celebrities to ever exist. The guy who turned his handicap into making him the biggest draw in his field and one of the richest people in his field ever. And I do want to plug, don't want to get off on too much of a rant here, but most wrestling documentaries are made by terrible man, Vince McMahon, (laughs) uh, made by that wrestling company, and they will deny you a lot of information. The Ric Flair documentary, I love Ric Flair. There's a Ric Flair documentary in Peacock, and they're just like, and then in 2002, Ric Flair wrestled his last match. Like Ric Flair wrestled his last match three weeks ago, and... Many other times in companies that are not you and they just won't talk about it. Whereas this is made by uh, what Bill Simmons, the ringer guy, and includes yeah. talking people from WWE, including Vince McMahon crying on screen talking about Andre the Giant. It,
2: yeah, I was gonna ask, what was the name of that? It's Andre the
0: Giant on <laughs> it's HBO just called Max. Andre
2: the Giant, because yeah, I watched that and it was fascinating. It's, it just brought up so many things I hadn't thought about. Like that guy, he can't go out like incognito he can't put on a hoodie and sunglasses and go you know buy porn
0: most wrestlers couldn't (laughs) so he he lived his gimmick he lived to be a legend drank himself silly to compensate for the very horrible thing that was undergoing his body that he could have fixed but thought he'd have no livelihood if he did Mm -hmm. it's it's he's one of the most fascinating famous people in the entire universe. If you want to give me a good birthday present, there is a new Princess Bright action figure line and his figure is like 8,000 times the size <laughs> as everybody else and includes a fucking plastic peanut. But I, <laughs> I love Andre the Giant more than most people living and I've read multiple books and the guy, I love him. Sorry. Yes, he died yeah, 30 I, years ago. I remember being crushed as a kid. I remember my dad uh, delivering the news. I remember vividly it happening.
2: Uh, uh, I bet. I think my any story about Andre the Giant drinking is amazing my favorite weird fact about andre the giant is um samuel beckett used to drive him to school because he had a convertible (laughs) (laughs) yes very very famous playwright used to drive giant child to school he had the biggest kid in the village
0: he had a disease where he wouldn't stop growing so he's hardly the best wrestler but look at him there's a lot of footage of him as a young man Handsome dude, handsome dude, big but handsome dude. And body yeah. just kept blah, expanding yeah. and just he was having a real hard time doing anything at the end of his life, let alone wrestling.
2: Yeah. Well, I know uh, all the stories uh out of Princess Bride. is like he literally couldn't hold up Robin Wright, who weighs about 100 pounds.
0: He was on a harness and she was on a harness.
2: He he, he couldn't. He Horse couldn't, couldn't
0: hold him up either.
2: Nope. that That's a double. And then, ah, uh, I keep going. 2003... We lost someone who is a a really talented musician, but is also, I am explaining a joke in Blazing Saddles to you right now. When Mongo rides into town on a bull, a guy looks at him and goes, Mongo, Santa Maria. So Mongo Santa Maria died in 80, he was 85.
0: I never got, (laughs) wow, I never got that. He was, in
2: 2003, he was 85. He's an Afro-Cuban band leader and uh, percussionist. And his music is great. You should look it up. It is like turn it on. You will have the classiest party in town. Hell yeah! So yeah, I explain. Oh, I can explain another joke from that same scene too. The bull that Mongo's riding has yes and no on its butt. That used to be mud flaps the truckers had of which side to pass on. Wow! <laughs> you can you pass on the left? Yes, on the left. No, on the right. And then that was like in the 70s and in the 80s it became uh, passing <laughs> side and suicide.
0: Oh, I was going to say Tasmanian Devil, but I was off.
2: Or Sexy Lady. Sexy Lady. So, Mungo Santa Maria. Maria. You have to say it that way. Then, okay, in 2013 is when we lost uh, American sniper Chris Kyle, the subject of the movie. He was 38. He was in a a group that would take veterans with emotional problems out to do a bunch of shooting. Mm -hmm. And one of them shot him. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No it's sucks. Uh, <laughs> it does. American uh, Sniper,
0: by the way. I don't know if you said the title. Yeah,
2: I said American Sniper. American Sniper. The, the yeah. guy from American Sniper he with died. the fake baby. That's mm-hmm. him. <laughs> he also shot a guy from like a mile and a half away, whatever. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Oslo's former New York mayor, Ed Koch, who is 88. How am I doing? Took over. He's
3: uh, like the, I, I remember he him from
2: so many jokes yeah,
0: including the critic uh, and then and then one time people's court uh,
2: yeah he presider. took over people's court after judge wapner left mm-hmm. and he'd pop up on stuff and whatever uh, i believe he was gay and just was very quiet about it wow and then uh, also in 2013 how I was talking about how orville wright only died 75 years ago the past is not very past Patty Andrews, the last of the Andrews sisters, wow. died at age 94, only 10 years ago. The hottest group of the 30s and
0: 40s. <laughs> yep. And I, I just remember seeing them on, cameo on so many things, most famously Pee Wee's Playhouse. I knew who they were on <laughs> yeah. site. It's so weird to think that, you know, a little kid growing up in the 80s, 90s, I recognize these 1930s singers.
2: Yep. I know. Uh-huh. Andrews sisters. So, Andrew yeah, sisters. We, we lost... Wow, I would love to have a dinner party with all of them in heaven. That would be very interesting. Indeed. And the music would be great. Check out Mongo Perfectly Santa Maria. Harmonized. And, and with that other way, it's,
3: it's time, time for,
2: for the birthday quiz. Birthday time.
3: Oh, birthday is a doodly-doo, a ding-dong, doodly ding ding-dong-doo. Born January 30th, 1974, in what I swear is not a made-up name, Haverford West, Pembrokeshire. Huh? It's a Brit. To English parents. Technically, he is the stepson to Gloria Steinem. Damn it, Diana okay, Razor. So, following her marriage to his father in the year 2000. How are you going to throw a Gloria Steinem factoid in there and expect Diana not to? <laughs> I am, Chris, <laughs> I am going to let you, and only you, watch the commercial, Oh. which shows his face in 1983-
2: man cereal's got a new surprise when you look inside it's shocking <whistles> shocking pink it's new miss pac-man marshmallow she's got a shocking pink bow oh just one taste you'll be tickled pink with crispy corn puffs all gone in a blink
3: who is who i couldn't tell Okay, so I'm gonna give the clues for our audience. All right, keep given right. the okay. clues.
2: Most of the movies, I think, will give it away
3: though. Okay, he starred in Steven Spielberg's 1987 film. All right, Empire I got it. All right, well, <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. gonna go on for the audience. Wow, okay, right. he was in The Machinist in 2004, <laughs> American Psycho, uh, The Prestige, Termio's Salvation, Public Enemies, Shaft. and of course, the Dark Knight trilogy. <laughs> christian bale it's,
1: it's christian
2: bale
3: christian
0: bale <laughs> <laughs> what
2: did i just see him in oh the uh, uh, pale blue eye oh no, i saw pale blue eye too yeah that, i like that then. a lot better than amsterdam amsterdam sucked pale blue eye was actually pretty good i
0: liked amsterdam and my you're wrong i told my parents to watch and like that was lovely <laughs> like, like really my co-host hates it it's not a time oh, 10 years from now diana we can talk about it
2: Okay, fine.
0: <laughs> Christian no, Bale.
2: Bale Blue Eye is great because it's got Edgar Allan Poe in it, and it's the kid who played the, the shitty Dursley from the <laughs> Harry Potter movies. That kid has had one of the best post-Harry Potter careers. I love
0: it. Hell yeah. Well, all right, we got Anyway. It. Anyway. Christian
2: Bale, 849.
0: Wow. Uh, and that concludes our show. Uh, Patreon.com slash Time. Tell a friend if you feel so moved. But if you don't, you have to give to the Patreon. There. That's the rule. You can't listen yeah, anymore.
2: Or, or rating reviews reviews, Tell a friend. Yeah, all
0: the stuff Something. we do for you. Uh, yeah.
2: People are getting back to listening to podcasts because they're actually going to work and stuff.
0: What are we closing out with? Because I see two things JR
3: really <laughs> wants to close out with. <laughs> okay. We didn't go to get the Torgo theme, which I understand. Torgo ringtone. But give me the... The rural juror song. Come on.
2: I okay. I will give you rural juror. All
3: right. Well, we're going to use That's... Tegan and Sarah,
0: but I'll I'll go with Jenna. Uh, what's her name?
2: All right, we, we can Maroney. bump Maroney. And, and Sarah because that song is lovely and we can play it anytime.
0: That, and that, that was the big revelation of the show. She just turns to the camera like, look, I don't know Mickey Rourke. I've never met him. <laughs> <laughs> just M- Mickey Rourke absolved of all this guilt from 30 Rock in the last episode. There, there there's, your, there's your pivotal moment. But we'll close out with uh, Jen Maroney doing World Tour. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.
1: The Irma Lerman Merman murder Turn the birdsward lurid The war and the pervert of a twirler girl She would the world Would demur The insurers a law For valor Up your Karewara. war One fervent whirl Over her turgid error Rural Jorah Rural Jorah You roll your a-